is a symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Under siege from within and without the wrestling world, Roddy Piper decided to shift the debate to territory he was more familiar with. The ring, the battlefield of brawn, cunning, and savagery. You're talking the heavyweight championship. You see, hockey baby, I got nothing to gain. If you want to fight me, brother, put your name on the dotted line, put up the title, wait and then we go on. Oh, wait a minute. Nothing, no, no. Well, I'm talking about it right now. What you do is you just take it Man, and put your name on the bottom. You know, the way I feel about it, after he hurt all those good friends of mine and more than that, after he dug the knife into everyone's heart, I would sign anything I needed to sign to get Piper in the ring. When I take the belt and you gotta send me the belt, why don't you send me your girlfriend at the same time? I got a tired of it. That's a bit strong, Roddy Piper, and all due respect. Hulk Hogan. Can you write? Can you write? Can you write? Write it down. Don't be afraid. If you don't want to, just send the gal and the bell over right now, man. Oh, you you heated the champion, Roddy Piper, to the point where he Don't go away because just moments from now, live from Madison Square Garden, the war to settle the school. Welcome to episode 6 of the 24-inch podcast. My name is Steve Bennett. I'm in Buffalo, New York, and with me tonight, all the way out in Sopranos Town, USA, is Dave Rollins, and of course, uh, Paula Bennett will be in and out over the course of the show. What is up, Dave? How you doing? I hear you're getting snow out there. We're going to change it to Snowfall, USA pretty soon. Uh, yeah, man. Kearney, New Jersey, I'll, the snow capital of the, of the world, all of a sudden. I hate to hear those words coming out of your mouth, especially coming from Buffalo, New York, Steve Bennett. But yeah, Hollywood Dave is buried in snow here in Sopranos Town, USA. We got two feet last Monday, which is the day after the Rumble. Then Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, another six inches to top it off. Another inch this morning, and it doesn't look like it's stopping from here. A lot of you listeners might not know that. My shoot job, my real job, I'm not going to get into the whole deal. It's a political job. I work for the county I live in, but I'm on snow detail. You get a stipend. You're forced to get it You know, at the beginning of the year, so you have to come in when they call you. I'm not going to complain. We, we should have snowblowers. We should have this. We should have that, but they kind of leave you alone 90% of the year. I just have my assignments. Nobody bothers Hollywood Dave. I can listen to all the great podcasts. It's how I got to know the great Steve Bennett. So I got it good. So you know what I mean? I'm not going to be a complainer, but in these snowy winters, brother. It's crazy yeah, you don't uh, have snowblowers, yeah. though. I mean, come on. Who who runs no. the budget there? You can't buy a, one yeah. snowblower? 
we got the road department there, and you know they're out with the plows and everything. But basically, um, me and a couple of the guys were in charge of like detectives. So we have to keep like uh, areas open for emergencies, you know, for them to get in and stuff if they have to. And uh, no, you know, we were all out there with shovels. But now one of the guys is older, so we don't bother him to come in. He's a really cool guy. So we, you know, we don't have him to take a heart attack or anything. So now it's just me and one of the other younger guys. I'd bring my <laughs> and, own. Uh, I'd bring my own in from home. My own snowblower from yeah. home. Yeah, we, we know what happens though, Steve. We've gone five years with like nothing, no snow. You know, a couple inches here couple inches there so it's like you forget about it you like it's not like where you get snow you're ready for it here in jersey or north jersey north jersey meaning new york city area not north north jersey right you know my area here you know last last winter maybe got four inches of snow the whole winter year before that maybe seven the whole nothing you know but every four five six years or so we just get blasted you know what i mean so that's why it's kind of like you're that guy ain't going to do nothing. Yeah, but listen, Sometimes it does. Dave, snowblowers started about $120 for the most basic single-stage electric version. Yeah. I mean, well, come on. Better, you got to get county should be The county should be paying for it, man. I shouldn't be bringing my snowblower over there. But uh, that's another story. We'll see what happens. It may happen, though. You might be right. You're, you, can hear it in, you can hear it in my voice. I'm retired from snow, uh, snow <laughs> removal. We hire a guy. Every year to do our driveway and all that. And uh, I did it for many years at my house. This is kind of a funny story growing up. You know, I lived with my mom, my brothers, and my stepfather, who's a cunt. And um, he had a, a fake back injury for many years. And I a lot was, of those going around. Yep, and I was much older than my brother, so I was kind of in charge of snow removal. And it was always like, oh, you know, when you graduate high school, you can hand it off to your brother, Greg, who's six years younger than me. So he's... Um, let's see. So when I graduated high school, he would be, you know, like 12. And, um, so I remember I graduated high school. I'm waiting for that first snowfall of the year to come so he can get his ass out and and shovel it. So we get like six inches. The first time he goes out, takes about three steps onto the deck, falls, breaks his thumb, never, never shoveled. Breaks his thumb. Yep. Fell down on his thumb, broke it. Suddenly his dad's back was healed and he shoveled all year. Oh boy. Yeah, so tape that thumb up, brother, like an Asiatic spike. What a pussy, though, huh? Two steps. Yeah, really. Yeah, the biggest dive ever, too. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? A planned dive. So I'm glad he broke his thumb because. Like a Bobby Heenan fall. Right. He thought he could get away with just just tumbling out. But, yeah, look, at it's it's been a much, in terms his of thumb vo- volume. Probably would have wound up up his ass anyway the whole time. So you're better off. Yeah, he's a jabroni. In terms <laughs> of volume, we've gotten a lot of snow this year but never at once so it's just been a steady sort of december to you know february at this point we i think we average about 100 inches of snow a year and i'm sure we're on pace for that but we haven't had a dump of more than maybe six or seven inches at a time who would ever thought we're starting this podcast it'd be me getting hammered the curse of steve bennett well, people think that there's more snow in Buffalo than there actually is. Like, Oh, is that so? Yeah, like really Syracuse is the city in Buffalo or the city in New York State that gets all the snow. But nobody knows that much about Syracuse. So it just doesn't get talked about. Like, you know, Buffalo has pro sports teams. You know, That's right. Syracuse doesn't. So people, it has wings. Right. That <laughs> And it has a college team, obviously, there too. But that, that, that area there, that's where most of the snow is in the state. Or in the northern country, up where Clarkson University is, that area. 
near Montreal. Okay. But hey, I mean, look at—I'm not totally downplaying it. We get a hundred inches a year. That's a, that's a yeah, pretty significant a not, amount of snow. But that's knock on wood but, right here. We're not reaching a hundred this year. But, but it also <laughs> starts in November and snows till March. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's November, December, January, February, March. It's five. It's about you know what? About twenty inches of snow spread out. Yeah, November we don't see it. Maybe a coating. You know, once in a while there'll be a freak couple inches. One time we had it in Halloween, a freak. Uh, when freak I was a kid, yeah, we had it. And we had all the trees falling because all the leaves hadn't fallen off, fell yeah, off the trees. Yet. We had that. In <laughs> you know, so it was all weighed down. Yeah, we had that in 2006. It was called the, uh, what did they call it? The October Surprise or something. And it, okay, it yeah, was like yeah. the ice that accumulated on the branches. And they went down, and power was out. It was wild. That was in yeah. 2006. Oh, yeah. It was during the uh, during the World Series. I remember cool. is when it happened. You know, like it was that time of October, so it wasn't even. It was wild. Yeah, yeah. it's not even at the very end yet. Yeah, ours, ours I believe was 2011, if I remember correctly. Yeah, well, that area has had plenty of since around 2011 when my brother started at Yale. There's been a lot of storms, whether they be hurricanes or snowstorms in the New York, New Jersey, Tri-City area, you know. Yeah, yeah, we've been, this actual snow accumulation we've been pretty lucky with uh, past, you know, five to, I'd say five years, six years, seven years, we've been lucky with accumulations. But yeah, we've had, you know, plenty of storms, hurricanes. I mean, in my lifetime, we've had, we've had nine feet, nine feet in a day or two. You know, we've had huge snowstorms in my lifetime. So it's not totally unfair that we're branded as like, a snow city. It snows a lot here, you know. But yeah. but ninety percent of the years of my life, it's been a hundred inches or so, you know, which is nowhere near. Syracuse is probably two thirty, two forty, something like that. So yeah, and everybody's prepared for it. I mean, it's like over here, it's like it's a panic. You know, I mean, it's right. people going out to the store sure. and yep. stocking up on bullshit. Ah, but hey, it's good to be back here on the twenty four inch podcast, away from all that for. An hour or two, right? And so that that means here, we're Steve. that means we're in, and we're watching shit like the Rumble. Did you watch the Rumble at all? I did. That's one of the shows uh, I never miss all year. I actually tried to pl- pay very close attention to it. You know, like most p- pay per views now, like you know, you're yeah, you have it on, you're doing other shit. But the Rumble, I actually sit down and uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, the Bianca Belair ladies uh, win, and then uh, Edge won the um, Men's Royal Rumble. Well, so, here's uh, my thing. So I knew that we'd have this conversation uh, on this spot here. So I wanted to try to get some of it in. I forgot about it. And then when I turned it on and remembered, Christian was entering the Rumble. So I seen from that point on. Like the first thing I seen was Christian yeah. standing at the top of the ramp. So I saw maybe the last 10 entries or so. And what was interesting to me, and I think I've said it already on here, you know, the great Dave Shoemaker, his book is in front of me, The Squared Circle, Life, Death, and Professional Wrestling. He said, my favorite thing about wrestling ever on the Sportscasters podcast, he said, wrestling exists in people's past. And this whole podcast is based on that premise, right? That Absolutely. wrestling exists in people's past. And sometimes I wonder, for the WWE, does wrestling exist in their past? Uh, because <laughs> it just seems like when you have someone like Edge – you know, winning the Rumble, and now he's going to go on to Mania, and he's going to be in one of the championship matches. And I told you how much I hate the fact that there isn't just one championship. It's a horrible failure of creative and of the business to have two champions like that. But I just wonder, you know, what do you think about that? Like, wh- why do they always need to to lean back on people like Edge and Undertaker and John Cena and 
whoever else at yeah. this time of year, it seems like they can't pull off a mania uh, without reaching deep back into their past, into their history. Some people hate it. Some people like it. But certainly Vince and the brass that be think they need it because they do it year after year. Um, well, I'm somewhere kind of in the middle on it. Yeah, they've been doing it for a better part of 10 years now, better part of a decade. It must be working if they keep doing it. However, I see it in this very different way. You know that I'm nothing like all these wrestling smart complainers online or whatever. We like to joke about that a lot. But, I mean, it almost is like a break from the same old current guys that are on the pay-per-views. How many times do you see Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins in the main events in the past six or seven years. Well, and it makes it special. It makes yeah, it feel it's, special. It's nonstop with those guys. So if they're not going to have a cycling of guys like they used to, I mean, who cares? You know, it's like the same shit no matter what, basically. So you might as well dress, put some dressing on it with some of the quote-unquote older guys. Yeah, you know, make me and it you feel even, big and special. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, do we even think of Edge as an older guy and Goldberg, I guess? you know, Goldberg, <laughs> but, de- Goldberg definitely. Yeah. And Edge yeah. probably, Edge was a, it's retired for a decade. Yeah, I like Edge. You know what I mean, but I never really thought of him as a top top guy. You know, he is, but my no, he's not thought, a top top guy. Yeah, he's not to the level thought, of Goldberg no. or no. Austin or Hogan or Savage. He's not in that level. He's a he's a but that's the thing. Tier they below that. They don't want that. that. A tier they don't want that. those guys anymore. They don't want to make those guys because they want the brand to be the sell. The WWE. They don't want Hogan's and Cena's anymore that become bigger than. The promotion itself. But that I think philosophy is going to change. That's a failing yeah. philosophy. That that's yeah, going to change. They, they're th- that is now they're getting enough data on that to prove that that's not a winning winning philosophy. Yeah, because yeah. eventually there's going to be no one left. Are they going to do this with Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins in six years? They're going to leave for a while, then they're going to come back as like Edge and Goldberg. Now, I don't think they're popular enough. I mean, Edge barely makes. <laughs> I think he barely squeaks it out as popular enough. Right, but, but uh, wrestling yeah. wrestling does exist in people's past, and they're they're betting on six years from now, or seven years from now yeah. that that past for those people is going to be Owens and yeah whoever okay. else. And like you said, is Edge on that level? No, but what it works from a wrestling point, but they don't quite break through to the mainstream. You know, he doesn't have the crossover appeal. Like if if Steve Austin had won that Rumble. If he was the guy, oh, forget it. Right, that now you you're on Channel Two, you're on Good Morning America, you're on, you know, you get the crossover, right? It's a shame Stone Cold never got a nostalgic uh, return. He just won't do it. The they would have loved to yeah. have him. He just he's, and I think he's healthy enough to do it. I I was on record saying I was going to go to the WrestleMania in Dallas if he was going to wrestle um, Lesnar. Uh, and oh, I, was that rumor? That was rumored. Yeah, and Vince tried to get it, but Austin wouldn't do it. Wow, I think that's right at the beginning of the some of the uh, heat with the Hulkster. So I was kind of pissed off at the uh, WWE at that at that point right there. Oh, I'm sure Dallas. I was pissed off at it too, <laughs> but I would have made an yeah. exception just to oh, see yeah, Jerry was... World and see Austin. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been to oh, a WrestleMania Austin, since I... 1990, so yeah, I'll probably Austin's never go guys. to one again. Austin's one of the guys I followed, like from the very beginning of his career. I've seen, you know, I've seen it all in real time, you know. So that's one of those guys Did, that uh, we're gonna get to uh, the episode today. We're talking rock and wrestling and the war to settle the score. We'll get to that in a second. A couple things I wanted to mention first, though. Did you watch the Super Bowl at all? I did. I got. I had a uh, Saturday night. I had a, the bars are back open until two o'clock. Uh, me and my sisters and some of our friends went out for a nice Italian dinner, a nice restaurant. 
they went home. I went to the bars. Everything's great. Everything's, you know, <laughs> the next morning, my phones are ringing. It's snowing six inches. Get your ass in work, brother. Oh, so I had to do that. Yep. Yeah. But the snow was light. Then I got home just in time for the Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a relaxing Super Bowl for me. Well, uh, you know, I had some pizza and some beer and stuff. Uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, lousy game. Yeah, lousy, I thought it was going to be a little closer than that. Lousy game, lousy woke commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, just no, not enough fans. It's just there was nothing there. It's a bottom, expect- a bottom fifteen Super Bowl in my lifetime. Bottom ten Super Bowl in my lifetime. Uh, yeah, really frustrating for a Saints fan to watch a team you beat twice this year win the Super Bowl. Um, that's frustrating. The Buck Tampa Buccaneers won the Super Bowl twice, both of those seasons. The Saints beat them two times. That's really frustrating. Yeah, that's got to be frustrating. For uh, sure. But yeah, no, not and, and look at I'm not bitter. I don't hate Tom Brady. I don't even hate the Buccaneers as much as I do the Panthers and the Falcons, who are the Saints' real rivals. I, I've never been a, a huge. I'm obviously not a Bucks fan, but I'm not like a hater per se. Um, and I do like Gronk, who's a Buffalo boy. Oh yeah. Uh, but no, just wasn't good. Um, I don't like his dancing though. That's got to go. Well, he's a clown. You know, he's a clown. But that's kind of yeah. what's that's kind of what's funny about him. And boy, does oh, yeah. he have a smoking hot girlfriend. I'm sure he uh, does. Camille Kostak. Ooh, Look, <laughs> Google her real quick. She is fine. Really hot. Let's take a look. Uh, and what's your? While I'm looking up that, what is your opinion on the weekend, Mr. Steve Bennett? Oh, horrible. <laughs> I think the songs are and not at the not level, bad. not at the appropriate level. He's not a transcendent musician. He's not a he's not a prince. He's not a Beyonce. He's not a U two. He's not a Aerosmith. He's not at that level. Look at it's not my genre of music. I'm not gonna hide that. Right? So but whatever. But he's not Beyonce's not my genre either, but I'm willing to acknowledge she's a mega star. The weekend is not at that level. It's he's not there yet. He forgot an E in his name. Yep. And he's not there yet. He's not a Madonna. He's not a, you know, who else has done this? Prince, The Who. Tom Petty. You know, you Bruce going, Springsteen. Down, list. Right? Iconic, sure. iconic musicians. Booze, Booze Springsteen or Bruce? Yeah, Booze. Oh, yeah, he got arrested. Bruce. I saw that, huh? You got, <laughs> yeah. you got a Dewey? Yeah, I'm not the biggest uh, supporter of uh, Bruce Springsteen, but it looks like he may have caught a raw deal there, but who knows? You know, yeah, I. That's uh, well, funny, just funny. He, he'll, you know, he's not gonna. It wasn't that big a deal. He's not gonna get in. Even if I don't like somebody, I don't want to see them, you know, get in big trouble and shit. So I don't think it's gonna be that big a deal. So yeah. I can make fun of him. Hating on a New Jersey icon, huh? Yeah, well, he's he's very controversial figure. I don't want to get into politics and everything here on the twenty four inch podcast, but I guess you get the idea. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, he had his big woke commercial over at the Super Bowl there, right? Yeah, and they, yeah. yeah. And if they if they announced his arrest beforehand, that commercial would not have aired. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so Bruce got his, he 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 got his commercial in and shit. You know, everybody will forget about it in a couple of weeks, I'm sure. Well, sadly, be, sadly, before we move on, I wanted to mention just rest in peace to Butch Reed. Uh, the natural, the natural. Whose whose uh, failure to appear in Buffalo, New York, uh, led to deep sadness for me, as uh, the honky tonk man ended up getting the spot and pitting uh, Ricky Steamboat. It was Butch Reed who initially had that spot, but didn't show up until the next day in Rochester, which is when they filmed the backstage celebration. People tried to bunk Butch Reed missed a spot based on that, but that back backstage vignette was filmed the next day in Rochester. 
I always thought, you know, you're right about that, but people could also think that maybe he showed up late because you're supposed to be there at like one o'clock in the afternoon for these tapings to lay everything out. So if he was late and they couldn't find him, boom, on to the next guy. You know, that's when they got the honker. Yeah, and, and, in and there. legend has it that it was Hulk who fing- fingered honker. Yeah. And said, oh, yeah. Uh, said to Vince, this is the guy you should should put it instead. And speaking of Hulk, one of his former opponents, uh, Rusty Brooks, he passed away. Uh, rest in peace, Tim. Honestly, I don't know much to anything about him. Dave, you'll have to fill us in on, on Rusty. Yeah, before I get to Rusty, I just want to make uh, mention of Butch Reed. Sure. Uh, great, great wrestler. He falls into that category of like a Hercules type where they were just as popular as anybody else when they were around, but kind of forgotten about these days. While there's no figures of them, they're not in the video games, etc., etc. I don't know why. The National Butch Reed, Hacksaw Butch Reed, whatever you want to call it. His, uh, after Doom and WCW kind of disappeared a little bit early so maybe that that's one of the reasons why but absolutely right up there with anybody else from our era legend for yeah, sure and you know, huge down south yeah. You, yeah you know the bill watts uh south yeah that that territory huge main events at the louisiana superdome him and uh junkyard dog and you know ted DiBiase and um hacksaw jim doug and they were all huge down in that in that um He's actually on the cover of the DVD that the WWF did for that region, yeah, uh, that territory. So, yeah, huge star down there. I think, like you said, the fact that once he retired from wrestling, he sort of stayed out of the spotlight. I think that's hurt a little bit in terms of remembering him. You know, he never came back. He never, you know, did a spot on a Raw or, you know, like whatever. He's just been kind of gone. And talk about believability. Take a look at him. Yeah, huge dude. Right? Just a really That looks like dude. a professional wrestler right there. And then uh, Rusty Brooks, RIP. That was earlier today. He was a, um, a jobber a all jobber, through yeah. 1985, but he was 350 pounds and, like, short. He was, like, 5'8", five 5'9", foot five foot but he, like, threw drop kicks and shit. He's very memorable. But what I remember most of him, besides working with Hogan and Andre on championship wrestling, he had a TNT appearance, Tuesday Night Titans, where they had all the jobbers there. They had, like, Paul Roma, Rusty Brooks, Steve Lombardi. And <laughs> Rusty Brooks was, like, really, really healing it up for a jobber, like, to Vince. If you have time, I'll have to find a date. If you have if you have time, Steve, go back and take a look at that. It's really good. He's healing it up big time on the talk show as a jobber. And uh, he ran a wrestling school, uh, I believe, in Tampa, Florida. Big surprise there. And the guy sees some of the people I don't that I'm friends with on Facebook, or I guess that were trained by him, you know, taking it really hard. Apparently, he's a really good guy. So, R.I.P. Big man. Yeah, rest in peace to Rusty yeah. Brooks, and of course, Butch Reed. It's hard to get through a week without someone in this business passing away. Now, part of it is that the era that we grew up in and the people we've idolized are just getting to that age. You know, yeah. uh, it's not as bad as 15, 20 years ago. You know, where it was just these huge tragedies of these guys. Yeah. And, you know, it's not quite as bad as that, but he's but we Butch Reed, I believe, was sixty six and Rusty Brooks sixty three. Still too young. You know, too still, young. Still too young. But rest in peace to those guys. All right. Well, the show must go on as they say, and today ours will. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're gonna look at the rock and wrestling connection. We're gonna focus on the war to settle the score, which was February eighteenth. 1985 at Madison Square Garden. We'll tell the story of rock and wrestling. We'll tell it through the eyes of Roddy Piper and Cindy Lauper. Now, we're going to have a bigger Roddy Piper episode for sure, uh, but he is part of the story here. And I think when we do WrestleMania 1, we'll focus more on him. WrestleMania 1 will be a two or three parter. 
And, uh, you know, maybe even in some ways, this is a part of our WrestleMania 1 coverage because this kind of leads into it. Uh, but we'll talk about Roddy. We'll talk about Cindy Lauper, the Rock and Wrestling Connection. And then we'll focus on the entire show from the undercard to the main event, which was televised on the MTV network to a huge rating. You have the rating, right, Dave? What was that? I do. 9.1, my friend. 9.1, which is cable. a huge cable rating. Compared to, let's say, the highest raw rating in the Attitude Era, it was in May of 99. Now, I'm going off the top of my head, so don't jump down my throat, all listeners, if I'm wrong. I believe it was an 8, 8.1, the highest Attitude Era raw. Okay. So keep that in mind. That's your whole point, or whatever you want to call it, 9.1 for same cable channel, you know, MTV cable, just as much as just as around as much as the USA network. Right, not like a network situation with that. Exactly. Right. exactly. We'll also read the news from February of 1985. We'll find out where Hulk Hogan is in February of 85. We'll also do some emails. We'll do some plugs. All that and a lot more on the 24 inch podcast. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll start to tell the story of the Rock and Wrestling Connection and the war to settle the score. Thank you for listening to the 24-inch podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 years in the making. You can find it on Twitter, at sports underscore caster, or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-inch podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast, at 24-inch podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty-four inch podcast. We are back, Dave Roland, Steve Bennett, New Jersey Buffalo Connection. Here we are, episode six, and almost a can, almost a can am connection. Close, very similar, and it goes <laughs> together. They go together, sort of like rock and wrestling, and that exactly. is sort of the focus of the show today. And we're going to cover the war to settle the score, which was September fifth, or excuse me. September 5th. February 18th, 1985. That was random. Yeah, I don't know September. <laughs> why I had that in my head. Actually, I do know why, but we'll get to it. So anyway, it was February 18th, 85, and it was sort of the second of the MTV shows. Now, the brawl to end it all was the first, and that aired on July 23rd, 84. And that was sort of the beginning of the rock and wrestling connection. Uh, and as that got rolling and Cindy Lauper got more involved and there's all these different moving parts and we'll talk about them uh, in a second. But obviously Hulkamania happens in January of 84 and we covered that in our archives. And as fate would have it, Captain Lou Albano and Cindy Lauper meet on a plane ride to Puerto Rico. And over the course of the ride, Cindy Lauper asked Captain Lou, to appear as the father in her video to the song Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which is a huge song, right? So later they run an angle where Captain Lou, well, Cindy is booked on an episode of Piper's Pit. Uh, 
And Captain Lou comes out and he says that he discovered her. He wrote the lyrics of Time After Time. You know, he's the reason for her success. Gets lays on the sexism really, really hard, which is great. Was really pissing off Paula. Paula's getting some heat. Uh, she was, get, he was, she was getting some heat when she was watching this, but saying they need to be in the kitchen and just really great old school stuff that you couldn't do he was, today. Albano was fabulous. Yeah, in Lou this. calling Lopper abroad, um, and then she gets Dave up. Dog. Yeah, she gets up. She starts whacking her with her purse, and this kind of leads to to this idea that Cindy is going to manage someone, and Lou can manage someone, and they'll have a match. And it's going to prove that Cindy is a better manager, even in wrestling. Lose, you know, lose things. So Cindy chooses Wendy Richter. That's who she's going to represent. That's who she's going to manage. That's who she's going to train. And Captain Lou chooses the fabulous Moolah. And that match is on July 23rd, 1984. The brawl uh, to end it all. And uh, Lopper interferes in the match and hits Moolah in the head. With the loaded purse of doom, as they called it, and Richter wins the championship, which had been promoted as being Mula's belt for for 28 years. So the connection goes on. Uh, the Goonies are good enough. Video appears on uh, premieres on Saturday night's main event, and it's full of wrestlers. Sheik is in it. Piper's in it. Uh, there's also wrestlers in the Time After Time video and the Shebop video, uh, and there's a segment that runs where uh, Captain Lou uh, is only a bad guy because his brain swells. Um, <laughs> Matula Amblangata. Right. It swells up and causes him to do and say the things that he does. And it's an incredible piece of wrestling business where they have x-rays of this weirdly shaped head that they claim is Captain Lou's and evidence of the swelling. And that's why he did the things he does. And Cindy get some help and they go out and they raise $5 million for multiple sclerosis. And uh, the WWF wants to honor Cindy. They hire Dick Clark. He's in the ring at Madison square garden. Dick Clark is there and he brings Cindy down. Dave Wolf, her manager and her boyfriend at the time is there and they present her with a, a trophy for everything that she's done for rock and wrestling. So Cindy takes over the mic and she invites Captain Lou down. She says to the crowd, he's changed. He helped raise $4 million. He's such a great man. And as she, she wants to present him with a gold record. Well, as she's doing this, Roddy Piper and the ace cowboy Bob Orton show up and they smash the thing over the head of Captain Lou. Gold record, yep. Yep, and they ruin the ceremony. Uh, Mr. T runs down to make the save. Uh, but Pipe, Hulk, Hogan ran down. Uh, Hogan and T, yeah, both of them. Uh, no, T was T wasn't at uh, at you, this one. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was, but I could be wrong. No, he wasn't. No, okay, he wasn't. I'll take your word for it. I just watched it the other day, but I just watched a lot of things, so I could just be thinking of another yeah, one. Yeah, no, no T yet, brother. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> besides the point, um, Piper kicks Cindy. Power okay. slams Dave Wolf. That's Powers, awesome. Power slams Wolf. He does the stretcher job, and the heat. Is just crazy, insane. Uh, yep, and they schedule, they schedule the uh, the war to settle. Uh, excuse me, the, uh, the 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 war to settle the score, uh, which becomes our show today. 
kind of the time, the loose timeline there. Anything you want to add or subtract for everything I threw out there in terms of how we get to where we are today, and then we'll go over Piper and Lopper a little bit more detail. The brawl, sure, yeah, sure. Great job delivering all that, by the way. And um, I just want like some of our younger listeners. I know there's a few out there, at least for sure, to understand the popularity of Cindy Lauper at this time. Now, her being on wrestling would be like Lady Gaga being on. Right, she's WWE winning multiple now. Grammys, selling millions of records. Her videos are everywhere. A huge star, Madonna yeah, level. Yeah, it lasted only a couple. I mean, she's always a well-known household name for sure, but this huge popularity probably only lasted till around eighty-seven or eighty-eight from this time. Remained a huge star throughout, of course, but this big Madonna, Lady Gaga style of popularity—that's what was happening right now. Without her involvement. I don't know if we'd be doing the show right now, man. You know, this was a big, big deal, Cindy Lauper. And, you know, I wasn't watching in real time yet, but I still kind of loosely knew she was connected to wrestling. You see pictures with her with Hulkster, pictures of her with Mr. T. And this was just absolutely everywhere. And it, this time, time period right now is what led into us getting wrestling figures, the LJNs, led into the bed sheets and the stickers and the cartoon. And even Saturday night's main event came from Dick Ebersol seeing the ratings of these shows. So this is just an, an unbelievable time that will always, no matter what era in wrestling, when me and Steve Bennett, Hollywood Davis, Steve Bennett are long gone, if people are speaking of professional wrestling, you have to, start here in terms of popularity and growth yeah absolutely you know when you look back at who is the most important people you know to the 80s boom of wrestling you know you start with hogan and then you maybe you put piper next but not far off is someone like cindy lopper yeah you hogan know. carried hogan carried it of course you know he carried it on and on and on he became you know bigger star than cindy lopper and mr t in his own right but starting off, they were on you know equal grounds here. Hulkster wasn't this this right, but I think show like, right here. If Hulk is if Hulk what, isn't there and the champion is, you no, know, of course not. Of uh, course what's not. his name? Uh, the little guy there with doesn't wear his wears the robe over the Bob belt. Backlund. Backlund. I don't think that even if Cindy comes in, you get the oh boom, god no right. So it's Hogan, it's it's Cindy, it's Piper. You know, it's that main event at WrestleMania one and the women's match. All, that whole group. Like, they're responsible Albano. for the boom in the beginning. Right. Albano, you know, uh, Mr. T, to some extent, um, you know, yeah, let's uh, give a yeah, shout out to absolutely. Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and to the Ace. And the Ace and yep. Superfly was somewhat. Superfly, all these guys, are, yep. their role there. So that's kind of where we get to uh, the war to settle the score. Now, the war to settle the score is only part of an MSG, a night of wrestling at MSG. Uh, so when we get into the next segment. We're going to go over the whole card. You know, it's a bunch of matches and the main event of Hogan versus Piper is the match that's on the one hour MTV special and is wrapped around in all these great interviews. And we'll talk about all that stuff. But before we get to that, let's go over the two most important people who aren't named Hulk Hogan real quick. Let's start with Cindy Lauper. Her name is Cynthia Ann Stephanie Lauper, born June 22nd. 1953 in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, so a New Yorker. She had her album, She's So Unusual, 
which was released in 1983, was the first debut album by a female artist to achieve four top five hits on the Billboard 100. And those are Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Time After Time, Shebop, and All Through the Night. Uh, she won the Best New Artist Award at the 27th Annual Grammys. Accompanied by Hulk Hogan. Right. She won her success, propelled her to the Goonies soundtrack, and the hit True Colors on her second album, which was called True Colors. Um, so really from 83 to 86 is her huge, huge period. Uh, and it, it's just a, it's a boom period for her. And, uh, you know, the album came out on October 14th, 1983. Uh, let's get some stats on it here because it sold a shitload and was on a ton of charts and things like that. Um, some recognitions. 1993, top 100 music videos of all time. Girls Just Want to Have Fun is at number 22. Uh, 1984, it won the award for best female video on the mtv music awards but it was also nominated for five other awards including video of the year best video concept viewer's choice time after Had time a lot of stiff com- stiff competition in these days if anybody's not you know yeah, we'll, know about that and... I'll, we'll look at that in a second <laughs> yeah. time after yeah. time was you know also nominated for three so if you go back to that to that year the cars you might think you might think I'm what a crazy. video! Yep. Love that Uncle Tito was obsessed with that video. That was the one that beat out. Listen to the nominees here. You ready for this? Thriller right. by Michael Jackson, The Police, Every Breath You Take, Cindy's Song, and then Herbie Hancock's Rocket. Now, all those videos you just said, Steve, with the exception of Herbie Hancock, I saw them in the video in my. I didn't see this. He listened to the song and hear the song play in my head. I saw the video. Sure, that's the way it was back then. You see, you hear these songs, you see the video, and it—that's it, something that's missing. The award yeah. she did win that year, the girls just want to have fun. Beat out uh, Pat Benatar's "Love Is a Battlefield." Bette Midler, "Beast of Burden." Donna Summer, she works hard for the money. Love that song. Great yeah. video. The best new artist in a video. She had two of the five nominations. So they maybe split the votes on her, which allowed the Arrhythmics, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This, to win. Uh, also nominated Madonna's Borderline and Wang Chung, Dance Hall Days. You want to make me, I want to like stop doing the podcast right now and go turn on all these videos. Right, yeah. Beers. Best overall performance in a video. She's nominated there. Also, Van Halen for Jump, Every Breath You Take for The Police, David Bowie, China Girl, and the winner, Michael Jackson Thriller. So really, I feel so bad for people that didn't grow up in this era, man. We had it made. When you're talking about the golden era of MTV, she's there and she's winning, right? She's right there and she's winning awards. Uh, like we said, she won the Grammy for Best New Artist. She was also nominated for four other awards that night. Um, so let's see. Let's do this again. Let's see what 1995 Grammys. Let's see what she lost out on. And I bet they're going to be some pretty badass, some badass awards for sure. Let's see. Pop. Best vocal performance uh, female. She lost out to Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? You know, so there you go. An icon. If she wasn't Two winning. Iconic songs, so. Right. If she wasn't winning, she was losing to an icon. You know, absolutely. And, uh, Later in her career, she went on to be a star of the stage. Uh, she the played Kinky Boots. Um, that original score won many Tony Awards and 
uh, won a Grammy as well for Best Musical Theater Album. Uh, so although her peak was in the 80s, she's, you know, worked straight through um, all these years. And like I said, just a very, very well-regarded artist, she was, um, especially in she the was time just, period. She was just on uh, Times Square um, this year for the New Year. Yep. Whatever you call it, whatever they call it now. Yes, yeah, still a star to this day, right? Yeah. Uh, let's see, what else do we want to say about her in this period? She appeared on the covers of Rolling Stone magazine. Time, Newsweek. She appeared twice on the cover of People, and she was named Miss Magazine Woman of the Year in 1985. Uh, she participated in U.S. for Africa's Famine Relief Fundraising Signal Call, Dave. Yeah, we are the world. We are the world. I believe that's right in our... I didn't see it in the news, but I think that's right in our time period. Yeah, 20 million copies that sold. Not too bad. It must be. In, I think it's in March. So when we do WrestleMania 1, it'll be in the it'll news. It'll be in there, yeah. Um, yeah, and like we said, Goonies, just wow, what a what a career. And and luckily for the wrestling business and people who loved it, she went all in. She didn't. She wasn't like, what's the story about Pamela Anderson? She comes in the first time. And she's into it. She's with HBK. Then the second time, yeah, second time Tommy, she got married to my to my boy. Tommy, Tommy Lee's there, and she's just going through the motions. Yeah, that's true of like every celebrity, right? Sometimes they come in and they're going through the motions. Their publicist thought it would be a good idea. They're taking Vince's money. They're doing the bare minimum, and they're out. Sydney's yeah, Pamela out. Anderson. She, I mean, I, I love seeing her there. I was 15, 14, 15 years old. Don't get me wrong. I paused that tape many a times. But but um, she wasn't really involved in an angle. You know what I mean? I would sure, call it an angle. Sure. So, yeah. I wasn't necessarily accusing her of anything. But big, her... For, for, for 1995 WWF, that was a catch, man. Right. Getting her. Yeah, huge, huge star, right? Well, Cindy yeah. Lauper was a huge, huge star, and she went all in. You know, she gave everything she had uh, to, to the business. She did, she did great work, and I can't believe she wasn't, like we said this before, wasn't the first person inducted into the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, there has to be something. Either she had a contradicting schedule, and I heard that when that happens, they don't get back to you for a long time, you know, the way WWE can be. So if you if you, if you deny them one time, sure. I hear that it takes a long time to ask again. That, in my opinion, that's probably what happened. Well, our show tonight is the war to settle the score, and, of course, it's the main event, Hulk Hogan with Cindy Lauper, Dave Wolf, and Lou Albano. And he's going to wrestle Roddy Piper, who's with Bob Orton. Uh, so let's talk about Piper for a minute. He's born Roderick George Toombs. Uh, and he's born in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan uh, in Canada. Sadly, he passed away on July 31st, 2015 at age 61. Terrible, Terrible day. Uh, he was a best known for his work in the WWF, obviously. But he also worked in World Championship Wrestling and Back in the days of the territories, he worked in California and Portland and Georgia and Mid-Atlantic. Really just a storied career, whether it be the dog collar match against Greg the Hammer Valentine at a Starcade or the main event of WrestleMania 1. You know, on a podcast like this, he doesn't need a ton of introduction. He was raised in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and he attended Windsor Park Collegiate. His father was an officer. He was a Mountie, uh, a Royal hmm. Canadian Mountie Police. Uh, I wonder that, if that, I wonder if Piper gave uh, Jacques the idea. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and they lived in in Manitoba, but he was expelled from junior high for having a switchblade in school. 
That led to a falling out with his father. No and he, surprise there. Yep, falling out with his father, and he left home, and he stayed in youth hostels. So basically he left home at like age 15, age 14. He picked up jobs at local gyms running errands for several professional wrestlers. And as a young man, he came proficient in playing the bagpipes. Uh, though he repeatedly stated he was unsure exactly where he picked them up. I don't know how you don't remember that, but God bless him. His childhood and lifelong best friend was NHL player Cam Connor. And uh, he did serve a tour on the Canadian Army. Now, Cam Connor, if you're not familiar with him, uh, played in the NHL for the Canadians, the Oilers, and the Rangers. He was drafted fifth overall in the 1974 uh, NHL entry draft by the Canadians. But, um, I'm going to have to put, now put him alongside Todd Oakland and Jericho's father as my three favorite hockey players. Right. Keep number. Uh, keep Oakland at number one. He represented USA okay. in the Olympics. Or Brutus Beefcake. Is it going to be a hockey game? We're going to have a face-off if he gets punched. Yeah, he's a Bruins fan, I guess, huh? Beefcake, shout out. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. Shout out to Peter Winston, who's seen him at a Stanley Cup game. Yeah, he was. that's where he got busted for the Coke when they thought it was anthrax back after 9 11. It was in, in Boston, working in a Boston like uh, train station or something. Wow. Station. Wow. Yeah, Brudeye. Shout out to Brudeye. Well, he, he, start, he was a gold gloves boxer, and then he started wrestling under the promoter of Al Tomko in Canada. In his first match, he wrestled midget wrestlers in front of a lumberjack audience in Churchill, Manitoba. And uh, he soon began wrestling with Larry Henning in the AWA. He had a famous tryout in the WWF that was sabotaged uh, when some of the guys in the back stuffed bananas in his bagpipes. Freddie Blassie. I was th- that, as you were talking, I was thinking about this, actually. Yes. Freddie Blassie puts yeah. So, so they <laughs> I didn't know it was bananas, so it was just like, uh, paper or something, but, but bananas even better. Yeah, yep, stuff reminds me like the, the Three Stooges. You hit it real hard, and a banana comes flying out in right. someone's face. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I said, he, he worked for many years in Portland, so much so that when Vince started spreading out across the country, Roddy refused to wrestle in Don Owens' Portland-based territory. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't wrestle against even way, Don way Owens. up until like eighty-six, eighty-seven. Yeah. In his face run, he still wouldn't work against Don Owens. I think when he came back in 89, he finally, maybe the, the territory was probably, well, I, th- I think it was still going around that time. But eventually he caved, but it took a long time. Yeah, so anyway, he comes back to the WWE in 1983. The initial idea is he's going to be a manager, allegedly because he needed some time to heal that ear uh, still. Uh, but, of course, it's not going to be long till he's in the ring. He's got Piper Pitt going as well you know he's got uh the ace uh, cowboy bob orton as his bodyguard who's running the uh the awesome injury that never healed angle at the time uh he has happens on our our show yeah memorable memorable uh piper's pits like when he cracks snooker in the head with a coconut you know um had the jobber on you know, Frankie, Frankie Williams, Columbus, Columbus Ohio. Ohio. Yep. <laughs> uh, and he had a, a steel cage match against Snuka or no, uh, su- excuse me, uh, Bruno, Bruno San Martino steel cage match mm-hmm. against him. Boston. Uh, right. But his big storyline to really, really launch himself and the company and everything else is this one here. Hogan, Cindy Lauper and the war uh, to settle the score. All right, in a second, we're going to take a break, 
and we're going to read the news and we're going to get into the show. But before we do, Dave, I want to know, because you're great at this, you keep us schooled, where was Hulk in February of 85? What else did he do across North America besides this war to settle the score match? Okay, my friend, this is a big February for the Hulkster. We're gonna still we're gonna go from February 9th to the 27th. So bear with me, but it's gonna be an exciting ride. February 9th, 1985, Landover, Maryland, the Capitol Center. Interesting tag team match. Hulk Hogan and the man he's been training right around this time, Hill Billy Jim over the Moon Dogs, Spot and Rex. You're saying that sounds like a TV match, not for a house show. Well, it was a house show, but it was not the main event because Hulk and Hill Billy then went on to win a tag team battle royal later in the night. February 11th, 1985, David Schultz, Dr. D, is fired after attacking Mr. T at the Los Angeles Sports Arena. A lot of people think David Schultz was fired over the 2020 show for attacking John Stossel in December 84 at the Garden, but that is not true. It was for this run-in with Mr. T on February 11th in Los Angeles. February 14th, Dallas, Texas, the State Fair in front of a crowd of only 1,900. Hulk Hogan over Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Remember, this time we were the WWF was still expanding. It hadn't taken over everywhere, not even close yet. It was huge in a lot of places, but not quite yet. Only 1,900 in Dallas. Hogan over Mr. Wonderful. Huge match like that. The next night, the 15th in Cleveland, Ohio at the convention center, in front of 17,000 people, a sellout in Ohio, Hulk Hogan defeats his uh, good friend Brutus Beefcake, who we just spoke of. February 16th in Philly at the Spectrum, a matinee in front of 19,700 fans. Hulkster over Brutus Beefcake again. This match can be found on the Hulkster Hulk Hogan Coliseum video, which is available on the WWE Network. February 18th, 85. It's our show tonight. Madison Square Garden, 26,092, including 4,000 in the Felt Forum downstairs. Uh, Hulk Hogan over Brutus You want to explain Ryan what Piper. that means? You want to talk a little bit about what the Felt Forum is? I don't know if we sure, touched on felt, it yet. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've said, like, I've mentioned this before, but we never touched on it. Uh, well, Madison Square Garden, for those that know, is a regular basketball hockey arena, most famous one, but it's your average uh, arena. It holds about 20,000 people, give or take. But uh, when there's huge, there's also a theater connected to it. A lot of bands that maybe can't sell out the garden, you're not quite on that level anymore, or not on that, quite on that level yet, will play 4,000-seat theater which I've, I've seen WCW there and a couple of bands there. I believe it's located downstairs Yep. from the garden. It's been quite a while yep. downstairs. And uh, when there's big MSG shows and the garden is overfilled, sold out, hanging from the rafters, as the big gorilla would say, uh, they would open up the uh, felt forum and show it on the giant screen. They closed did it circuit. for um, giant screen, closed circuit. They did it for SummerSlam uh, with Undertaker in Austin, 98. I think they did it... Uh, the Lions Den match in there with Ken Shamrock and yep. uh, Owen Hart. Right. They opened it up the WrestleMania 10. I was there at that show. I was at, actually I was in the main arena, but I believe Savage went over there. They might. I think they show it on the broadcast. Savage goes over there and greets the fans in the uh, Paramount Theater. It's called Den. Um, then the next night, February 21st, is the airing of the infamous ABC's 2020 segment exposing. The world of professional wrestling. More on that later. More on that later. More to come. And the big Put it in your back pocket. Put it in your back pocket. Back pocket. February 21st, Houston at the summit. We're having some problems in Texas. 1,400 fans only. 
Hulk Hogan over Mr. Wonderful Paul under our fifth you know what match. You know what it's kind of like, Dave? It's like in 1994, my friend had an older brother who took us to see Green Day at this club in Buffalo, and there's like a 1,000 people there, and then the next time they played in Buffalo, they played the arena. Exploded. You know, and we got to say like, oh, we seen Green Day when they were in the clubs. We thought we were so cool. Probably- I like it. That's like. Yeah. yeah, there's someone in Texas who's like, yeah, I saw Hogan and Orndorff back when they only had 1,400 people and they played in the gym, you know. Yeah, uh, six, six months six months later, that's a completely different story. I like I like that comparison. That's pretty cool. <laughs> All right, then uh, February 22nd, Miami at the Knight Center. Hulk Hogan over Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. We have a sellout there of 5193. February 25th, San Diego Sports Arena. This is an infamous night in uh, pro wrestling. Hulk Hogan with Hillbilly Jim in his corner over Brutus Beefcake. Now, this match, Hillbilly Jim is chasing Luscious Johnny V around the outside, slips on some of the ice under the boards, and breaks his leg. Hillbilly was under a big, huge push at this time. He's out for seven months, and this is why they bring in Uncle Elmer and Cousin Junior and Cousin a bad, Luke. bad injury. A bad leg injury. Bad. Yeah. I, now, I don't know for sure this. I think Hillbilly may have been – definitely would have been at WrestleMania for sure. He may have even been plugged into that main event, maybe in snook a spot. Who knows? Never the been same. Neck and neck. Yeah, because never the same. I love – everybody loves Hillbilly. But he was really going to be a big, not just like a, he's more of like, you know, a fun wrestler, you know, novelty act. So he was going to be a big deal here. Yep. But yeah, that was a bad, bad break and never any footage of it or anything. They were supposed to have a big feud when he came back with Brutus Beefcake. They even hint on it on the wrestling album where Jesse Ventura, they, they introduced the songs. They hint on Hillbilly come and get back to get Brutus. Yep. But yep. Uh, I don't, I don't remember that ever happening. Any, any kind of TV feud at least. Okay, a couple more. February 26th, Los Angeles Sports Arena in front of 11,000. Hulk Hogan with Mr. T in his corner. What's that all about? Over the magnificent Morocco as a result of a disqualification. Mr. T beat up the devious one, Mr. Fuji, after the match. And finally, February 27th, Oakland Coliseum. Hulk and Mr. Wonderful get their sellout. 15,100. And that's the road report for the Hulkster, February 1985. All right, with all that said, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to read the news for February of 1985, and then we're going to get into it. February 18th, 1985 at MSG, we'll do the undercard. We'll talk about the television portion, the main event, Hogan versus Piper, and, of course, the aftermath. All right, Dave, you ready for all that? Ready to rock and roll. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Tonight is the night. Hulkamania is going to be running wild. And one thing, I've lost it. I'm over the edge, out of control. And all I'm going to do is look to those stark, raving Hulkamaniacs and ask them, how long do you want Piper tortured? How long do you want me to beat the man? The judgment's up to yours. I am out of control. I am not responsible anymore. I'm Alan Hunter, and tonight it's the war to settle the score, a wrestling match with social, political, and artistic implications far beyond any wrestling match in history. Now, we- Steve Bennett, Dave Rollins, back on the 24-inch podcast, episode number six, the war to settle the score. We're just about there. Uh, we found out where Hulk was in February of 85. Let's find out what was going on in the world in 1985. Dave, I think it's time. 
to read the news. February 1st, it's cold in Maybell, Colorado. In fact, it's so cold, it's a state record. 61 degrees, negative Fahrenheit. Wow. Makes me think of Jack Torrance in The Shining out there, frozen stiff, my man. But that's nothing. Peter Sink, Utah, negative 69 degrees. Oh, man, we got some jokes for that one. Oh. <laughs> Be obvious. February 2nd, U.S. Male Figure Skating Championship is won by Brian Botano. Good for him. I'd rather know if the Groundhog saw his uh, shadow or not. Yeah, I can't believe they didn't list that. You know what's really hmm. frustrating? Why do they got to update us on every single show closing ever? They're Her- obsessed with that on this. Harrigan and Hart closes at the Long Care Theater after a strong run of five performances. Was that like a Bret Hart match that uh, from Stampede yeah, I, or something? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, February 4th, 20 countries, but not the U- U.S., signed the U.N. Treaty Allowing Torture. Wow. <laughs> Let's say the U.S. made a very good decision that day. Uh, February 4th. Oh, I said allowing. I meant outlawing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, what the fuck? Glad, glad, glad we yeah. corrected that. February yeah. 4th, the U.N. outlawed torture, but the U.S. was not ready to sign that deal. Um, doesn't mean we were engaging in any torture. It just means we didn't want to be bound by some kind of no. UN deal. Uh, February like, I don't 4th. Want to see Bruce, I don't want to see Bruce Springsteen tortured. No, sitting, no torture. Sitting in jail. Man, with, I can't believe uh, the, the all, this, boyfriend. all this New Jersey hate for a New Jersey icon. <laughs> it's not right. Uh, be, like me hey, just, I'm a, be like me just bashing Billy Joel the whole podcast. I'm a Billy Joel fan, regardless of any... Uh, political affiliation. I, I, I love Billy Joel. Uh, yeah. February 4th, naval exercises canceled when the U.S. refuses to tell New Zealand if there's nuclear weapons aboard the USS Buchanan. February 7th, New York, New York becomes the official anthem of New York City. Of course, ironic because it's sung by a New Jersey native. Uh, Old Blue Eyes. Frank Sinatra. But you know what? The funny thing is that I, I guess, of course, I think a great New Jersey native, Hoboken, New Jersey, Frank Sinatra, but I think of Gremlins 2 when I hear that song for some reason. I think the... I think of Yankees games. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got here. Michael Gross swims the world record 800-meter freestyle in 738.75. Nice one. February 8th, opposition leader Kim Dae-yung returns to South Korea. Okay. February 10th, the 35th annual NBA All-Star Game in the Hoosier Dome. Uh, the West beats the East 140 to 129. And Dave, the MVP that day was? Oh, M- was it NBA All-Star Game, 1985? Yes. Uh, he was the um, center. Okay. Give on, me another hint. On the West team. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, his name and his initials are R.S. I don't think you're going to get it. No. R.S. See, like a household name type? 
He's like just below the icons. He's like an NBA household name, but not a transcendent name. Randy, Randy, no. Ralph uh, Sampson. Don't never heard of him, brother. February tenth, USSR performs a nuclear test uh, in the USSR. Back uh, in the USSR. Uh, February eleventh, Kent Herbick signs a five-year, six million dollar contract with the Minnesota Twins. I bring that up only because you notice. Big money starting to trickle into professional sports here in this era of the 80s. It's only to start. Yep. Uh, February 12th, the 37th annual NHL All-Star Game is held in Calgary at the Olympic Saddle Dome. The Wales Conference beats the Campbell Conference 6-4. to four. The MVP, Dave, was? Todd, Todd Okerlund. No, not an NHL. <laughs> <laughs> I, wasn't, I thought he was. Uh, okay. Wayne Gretzky. Close. If not oh. Wayne Gretzky, it must have been uh, number 66. Oh, I know it. Give me the initials. ML. Uh, Ma- Ma- Landau. Landau. Uh, what? Uh, I don't know. What is it? Mario Lemieux. Mario Lemieux. Yeah, oh, shame, Dave. Shame. Yeah. I definitely heard of him, but I, w- I wouldn't have thought of it. Oh, my goodness. I was thinking of some other completely different name. Horrible. Uh, February 13th, the police... Polish police, uh, they arrest seven solidarity leaders, which was the result of a joke. How many Polish police officers does it take to arrest seven solidarity leaders? <laughs> February 14th, Valentine's Day, uh, a hostage is released so he can get home to his sweetheart. CNN reporter Jeremy Levin is released in Beirut. Imagine being a hostage in Beirut. That's crazy, crazy, yeah. At uh, least they let him go home to get laid. A huge, huge music story. Whitney Houston's debut album is released. Uh, it's called Whitney Houston, and it's a Grammy Award for Best Pop Vocal Performance in 1986 and was the Billboard Album of the Year. Song after song after song there. Good yeah, songs. rest in peace. We just had the 30th anniversary of her unbelievable a uh, rendition of the national anthem at Super Bowl I 25. I believe this is the day she died, too, in, in 2000, whatever. Was it, it was. the 14th? It was right around It there. was right, right, right yeah. around this time. Yeah. No, I mean, today's day. What's today's day? The 11th or 12th? It was right, it was right around this time. Yeah. I was about to go, go to visit my sister in California, and that was, like, the topic of it. Yeah, it was definitely, you know, February, like, you know, award season. Yeah, yeah. yeah February 11th, you're on it, 2012. There you go, man. Yeah. And to, as well, people don't know, listening, that's that's as we're taping, it's February 11th, is today. Yep. So RIP, uh, Whitney Houston, what a talent, big loss. February 16th, the largest NBA crowd to date sees Philadelphia at Detroit. Over or under 38,000, what do you think, Dave? Uh, I think just over. 43,816, of course, at the Pontiac Silverdome. What is it with that place in world records, huh? That's right. Figured in the Rolling Stones, Steve Bennett. February 16th, the New Jersey Devils score their fastest hat trick in 42 seconds. You know, whoever does this, they must be just like right there in that area. We got a lot of New Jersey Devils stuff, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of hockey stuff altogether. Hockey and um, what am I looking for? Broadway. Hockey and Broadway. Yeah. Where's Where's the connection there? Is Is there one? Uh, I don't think so. February seventeenth, the twenty seventh Daytona five hundred. Uh, the pole holder 
at a speed of 205 miles per hour. Dominates the race, leading 136 of 200 laps. And the winner was, Dave? Yes, Bob Sparkplug Holly. Close. Bill Elliott. Oh, I was going to say that next. You were right on it, though. Okay. Uh, February 19th, canned and bottled Cherry Coke is introduced by Coca-Cola. I remember this. I enjoy Cherry Coke. I do enjoy it. It was a return. I remember the adults saying how they had it maybe in a different – I guess from the pumps in the the – in ice cream shops, they had it. And then when it came in, I remember this. I remember the soda machines, everybody making a big a big deal out of this, for sure. It was, I could almost see like the cans in my head right now. I mean, I'm, they still have them, but I mean the way right. they looked when they made their big comeback. I remember that. I'm a Pepsi guy, but I do enjoy Cherry Coke. How about this? The popularity of this, Steve Bennett, brought on Coke and Cherry Coke bubblegum. Okay. Remember that? Sure. Yeah. My That's favorite, true. my favorite all-time variant of Coke or Pepsi, Crystal Pepsi. Uh, right now, right now, baby. It's right no now. tomorrow. Yeah. It, that made a. I saw. I was looking for an old picture on Instagram of, of something. I don't know what I was searching for. And to my, not to my knowledge, somehow Crystal Pepsi made a comeback a few years ago. Oh, I was all I over was, it. I was. I all was over drinking it. one. It's on, it's on my Instagram, but I don't remember it. Yep, I was all over that comeback. Believe me. Yeah. Uh, kind of a cool story. Maybe I already told it. Maybe I didn't. But my dad worked at Pepsi, and his boss knew that I was a huge Crystal Pepsi fan. Like whenever I would come in and visit my dad at work, he'd always like give me a Crystal Pepsi. Well, when it was discontinued, my dad's boss gave me all of the Crystal Pepsi that they had left. Awesome. It was like a hundred two liters. It was a crate. My dad's trunk, like my dad's pickup, was full of Crystal Pepsi. Pulled up to my house. And I was drinking Crystal Pepsi for like another year and a half. It had a very unique taste. It's I mean, it. nothing else. And I liked could you compare it, it for whatever reason, but. Could you compare it to anything, any other drink? No. I'm asking. No, right? I, I no. can't. Not off the top of my head. I can't think of how yeah, I Yeah, like I can't it. even remember that. I wish I could remember four or five years ago when I yeah. was drinking this. The I, clear I soda. Like. The clear soda. Yeah, well, I mean, Sprite's a clear soda. It's but it doesn't now. taste like that, yeah. Mm-mm. Wild. Nothing like that. It uh, tastes like almost like the, the brown soda. But clear, but unique. I don't know. All right. After, ask, Sammy, ask Sammy Hagar. February 20th, after defending his WBC flyweight championship, uh, the check for the match is stolen by a ringside pickpocket. $104,000 wow. check made so out. Bobby Heenan, Bobby Heenan was in boxing. Yeah, made out to Sot, S-O-T, Chitalda. So okay. I don't know how. Like, good luck cashing that. Good luck cashing it, right? But yeah, a pickpocket took the check. That's wild. I like it. February twenty first. Already, the NBA record has fallen. I think it's funny if, like, just every other news story on here is, and an NBA record was set. An NBA record was set. <laughs> um, then I'll get. I'll guess with uh, some wrestling related uh, answer. Uh, big news <laughs> on February twenty first. Uh, National League baseball player Tim Raines who's with the. Uh, Montreal Expos is awarded a $1.2 million salary by an arbitrator for 1985. It's the largest salary arbitration victory uh, in the history of the league at that time. Like I said, money is creeping into sports. Sorry, money, money, money. February 23rd, Hall of Fame goaltender Patrick Waugh makes his debut uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. And this is February of 
85, and then in June of 86, he will deliver a Stanley Cup championship to Montreal. Uh, February 24th, Jim Kelly of the Houston, Houston Gamblers of the USFL passes for a pro football record 574 yards. These were the days of spring football and the USFL uh, playing. Kelly didn't want to come to Buffalo, refused to come to Buffalo, so he went to the Houston Gamblers. Eventually, the league folded. He came to Buffalo, and he's never left. Still here to this there day. You go. Big career ahead. February 26th, like we said, the 27th annual Grammy Award. Cindy Lauper is a winner there. Hulk's with her. And the big award that night goes to what's love got to do, got to do with it. It almost sounds, it seemed like that was earlier. Maybe it must have came out in early 84. Then they kind of spill over into the Grammys. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so unusual is 83. Right? That, uh, there you go. Yeah. It had so many single. Like, I don't know if yeah. Tina Turner, the, I'm, I'm ignorant to the rest of her sig- singles for that year. But Cindy Lauper was like, uh, they kept single after single. Like Def Leppard hysteria went on for three sure. years. Yep. 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 Uh, yep. All right, that's uh, that's about it. That's the news for February. And uh, um, March, when we do WrestleMania, we got a lot more uh, music stuff. With we are the world, U.S. for Africa. That'll be a big. We could we could go over. How about this for our listeners? We'll go over every singer that's on that <laughs> on there. Keep it in your back pocket. <laughs> Keep it in your back pocket. We haven't announced that yet, Dave. They don't know what you're talking Not about. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Back pocket. Back pocket. Back pocket. All right. It is now time to talk about the show, the war, to settle the score. And Dave, what we're going to do is what we normally do. Uh, we're going to start with the undercard and work our way to the Hulk match, uh, which this time is actually in the main event spot. So it's not one of these. I, it's not one of these times where the match is, you know, in the middle of the card. Yeah, this, this is what one of the. I think in December '84, his rematch with the Sheik. They went on last, and this is the only other time up to this point. It's always before intermission, so this is a rarity. All right, so we got Gene and Gorilla are on are on commentary here, and they're gonna they're gonna hype up the show hard in the open. There's some big uh, big stuff scheduled, and the first uh, thing that's scheduled is a match between some really really huge names. Um, Moondog Spot wrestles Rick McGraw to a draw. Uh, so they go 15 minutes in the opening match. Quick draw. Rick McGraw goes to a draw. Not not really two of my favorites here. Um, not really a memorable match. I struggled to get through it, to be honest. Yeah, Felt like it was are tough. going on and on forever. Not the greatest undercard in the history of, of the match here. I'm just going to move on. Some of these, they got better as, you know, 86, 87, especially 88 start coming in sure. when they were like just the regular house shows. At this time, yeah, you, until you got to your main event, maybe one other match, it was all this kind of stuff. Yeah, you'll see what this, this is not, this is not the world's greatest card. You'll see why. Yeah. All right, Johnny Rods defeats Jose Luis Rivera. The unpredictable one. I would think that Rods probably trained Jose, good old Jose Luis. Uh, I like both these guys for sure. And uh, a couple of um, crazy spots in this match. These kicks at yeah. Said, uh, Rivera, Rivera making a comeback comes up empty on a blind elbow drop off the middle rope, and Rods drops an elbow for the win. Right, Johnny Rods was on. He was just when we were talking about Rusty Brooks. I think it was that same show. He was on TNT, and he reminded Vince McMahon that he came up with the name for Johnny Rods, the unpredictable one, and Vince didn't remember. 
thought that was pretty funny. Hillbilly Jim, wearing the boots gifted to him by the great Hulk Hogan, defeats Rene Goulet at 729. Number one Frenchman. 729 in the match. Now, Steve, what would you rather have, Steve? Hillbilly Jim, Jim's boots from Hulk Hogan or Rene Goulet's Michael Jackson glove? Oh, the boots for sure. That's a close one. The hell am I going to do with one glove? <laughs> uh, Gene says Jim is the most uninhibited person he has met. Um, kind of this random. match is everywhere. I feel like I've seen this match a million times. I think it was on TV, like on prime time still in 86. They would show matches from years ago. It's on a bunch of Coliseum videos. And how about after this match? Uh, Rene Goulet starts beefing at ringside with somebody. Yeah, Mr. T is the guy. I'll get to that in a second. But first, uh, I just want to mention the finish here. Um, Goulet coming off the top rope is caught by Hillbilly, and he's wrapped in a bear hug for the win. Uh, Goulet draws it, draws it up with Mr. T at ringside, and the crowd goes nuts for this. I mean, totally fired up. Uh, establishes the T's in the building. You know, a really good spot. Wakes up the crowd a little bit after a slow kind of slog of three matches. Uh, and that leads us into kind of the semi, the semi-main, I guess you would say, on the night. Lilani Kai with the fabulous Mula defeated Wendy Richter, the champion, with Cindy Lauper. A singles match for the WWF Championship, 1149. I'm going to read uh, our friend Justin... Uh, Rosero, I'm going to read his notes uh, from this match. They covered this this card in their reboot, Place to Be Nation, the flagship. Congratulations to Justin and Scott on 10 years of podcasting excellence. They just had their 10-year anniversary. I'm going to be on the show next month talking about an MSG from 92. Hulk and Flair is the main event on it. Uh, but thanks to them, they share information with us and they're our friends. Uh, and I want to read this one. So Justin says, it's a big match early on in the card. Mula is advising Kai, adding some intrigue here, as she wants her title back. Richter and Lopper get mega pops, and they feel like huge stars. Richter is the reigning champ and uses uh, girls just want to have fun. Dave Wolf sits in on commentary. Uh, Mula and Kai attack Richter as the bell, at the bell as Cindy Lopper stands in the apron. Richter still has her coat on, and Kai uses it as a weapon. Kai chokes away and pulls up on the champ's hair until Richter tries, trips her up and hits a slam for the near fall. Richter plants her with a shoulder block and drops a big splash for two as Wolf rips the referee on commentary. Uh, the ladies trade near falls on a sunset flip, and then Kai takes back over, hitting a double underhook, takeaway for two. Uh, Gene notes that Kai has had has a significant weight advantage. Uh, Richter dodges a change, a charge, and Kai goes flying to the floor, where Mula comes over to console and chat. Richter slams Kai back in for two, and then locks in a surfboard submission. Kai escapes, so Wendy works the arm until Kai breaks free and kicks her down. Kai wrenches a front face lock choke as Gorilla and Gene rip the ref for being a mess all match. Uh, Richter makes a comeback with a knee, but she is hurting from the choke. However, she's able to catch Kai with a flying clothesline and a big boot for a pair of two counts. Uh, Mula attacks Cindy at ringside, choking her against the apron. Uh, Dave Wolf comes over to check on Cindy as Wendy gets distracted, allowing Kai to grab a backslide for the win and a title change. And man, the crowd was pissed 
What heat as a loud bullshit chant rained down. Uh, Wendy and Cindy get in the ring and chase off the new champ. Really fun atmosphere. Not a bad match as it was well-focused and executed and felt like a big deal the entire time. Kai played the role of steadying heel veteran while maintaining the pace of the match and knowing that she wasn't the sole focal point. Lopper was good as usual, too, and the finish was well done. Justin gave it two stars. I'd probably give it three at least. Uh, I thought it was a great match, great heat, unbelievable buzz in the garden, everything you want from a wrestling show there. What do you think of this one, Dave? Uh, yeah, I got a few things to say about this one. I actually forgot that this wasn't uh, included on the MTV right. version. I think it, I think it should have been because it was sure. certainly just as important with Cindy Lauper out there. How could it not be on MTV? And like we said about Cindy Lauper's popularity at this time, her getting choked out in Madison Square Garden by the fabulous Moolah. Imagine the heat involved with that. This place is going insane. It would be like if, you know, who's a big women's star now? In music? No, in wrestling. Uh, uh, Becky Lynch. Of, well, it would be like if Becky Lynch, yeah. Becky Lynch choked out Beyonce. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and um, actually, uh, I never really had Wendy Richter. I thought she looked pretty good in this match. I never really looked at her in that way, but uh, while I was watching it for the for the show, I was like, "Oh, Wendy looks pretty good here tonight." Yeah, I could lay it down. All right? Yeah, 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 for sure. So, might have to give her another look now. But uh, yeah, man, uh, great, great title change. You know, this is all leading into WrestleMania. Should have hundred ten percent been part of the MTV. I said all that the, the talk is the the after talk. We're going to get to that is really cool. And the water settled score, but all the, the before Hogan and Piper, what they showed didn't on the MTV it. version, yeah, didn't need it. Didn't need it. Should have showed this. And um, yeah, but uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go three and a half stars. Yeah, at least three, three and a yeah. half, at least. He, I, mean, I love I, I don't give a shit about wrestling matches and technical and all that shit. I like heat. And and this has got mean, mean something. This, this has this got is what heat it is. with spades. I mean, just a great. Moment, And I think it's really slick here because what they kind of do is create an opportunity for the babyface title change at Mania. Oh, yeah. Right? So, which we know really, unless they're going to take the title off of Valentine, isn't available to them. So, it's... That was a, an yeah. I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, like, oh. it's a it's slick little setup if you're looking forward to say... We change it here so that Wendy can, as a face, win the title back at WrestleMania. You know, and it's kind of funny that they didn't use Moolah herself in this role, right? That yeah. they went with one of her trainees from Columbia, South Carolina, uh, the camp down there. They went with Lilani Kai. Good for Lilani. She would return uh, years later, WrestleMania ten, looking quite different. That's another story. I'm a big fan of her uh, father, Cobra. Uh, really, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, she's doing pretty well for herself. Yeah, 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 really good. All right, moving on. Uh, David San Martino, the man with the biggest ass uh, in the world, defeats Moondog Rex. Isn't that funny? Then when he returned, I don't know, you said you were a WCW guy. He returned on a Nitro in 96 to take on Dean Malenko for the Cruiserweight title. Looked like, a comp like I just said, Cruiserweight title. Looks like a, the ass is gone. <laughs> Completely Wild. different person. Yeah. yeah. He left his ass in Pittsburgh somewhere. The steroids he took went right to the ass, apparently. Yeah, but you ain't kidding. But, yeah, he. you want to talk about all the heat in the world to no heat in the world, this is what you got here. 
Who's he working with? Like Moondog Rex. And they oh, go no, the other Moondog. And they go an unbelievable twelve minutes and twenty seven seconds. And I felt every second of it. And you know it's funny because Gorilla and Gene paid no attention to it. They're talking about the WWS popularity with celebrities and around the world. I mean, they're just paying no attention to this match. Thank God it's not Eddie Guerrero and uh, Dean Malenko in there. We'd have a lot of crying people. Yeah, I think they're really giving, <laughs> giving the crowd a chance to go to the bathroom, settle down after the last thing, you know, get some nachos, do whatever you got to do. You know, maybe there's a Steve Bennett equivalent in the crowd who was a huge, huge Wendy Richter mark and is crying his eyes out and needs to go get a Hulk Hogan foam finger and some nachos to calm down. I'm sure, them. sure there's plenty of them. And there was, they gave ample opportunity during this match. Uh, that speaking lead, of speaking yeah. of uh, David David San Martino, I would like I don't know if Hulkster's on the card, so we may may never cover it here. But that Philly card, November '85, I don't think Hulk's on it, so we're never going to touch on it. And maybe somehow we will. But the Phantom submission to uh, who was he in there with? Joe Murdo, not Joe Murdo, a big that uh, oh, was what the heck was his name? I can't remember his name right now. One, of, one a big jobber in stature of Joe Murdo, I think a little more famous. He submitted, he lost, he wasn't supposed to submit. It's a, the phantom submission in the Philadelphia spectrum. Yeah, he basically quit, so, right? I mean, yeah, he, made, he came. He did. Ron, Ron Shaw. Ron Shaw. Was the opponent. Big Ron yeah. Shaw. Yeah. He uh, he returned a couple times, but uh, yeah, right then he was quitting. That's pretty wild. I'd like to really dig into that someday. Yeah, November of '85 at the Spectrum. The story mm-hmm. goes that David was booked to win, which would make sense as Shaw was obviously a, a jobber. But he was fed up with the lack of push he was getting from the WWF, and he wanted to leave in a blaze of of glory. So when Shaw grabbed a bear hug, he submitted loudly and adamantly. There was no way to cover it, and the referee was forced to award award the match to Shaw. The ref and Shaw didn't know what was going on, and afterwards, and Shaw gets legit pissed when he realized that David worked them. Shaw then kicked and spit on him before leaving the ring. Monsoon is also left not knowing what to say and tried his best to cover up David's shoot but fails mis- miserably. An interesting video, something worth looking up. And Dick Dick Graham, who lives in the basement of the Spectrum, also probably had a great reaction to it as well. Oh boy! Oh, uh, <laughs> I didn't hear him submit. <laughs> Nikolai Volkov with classy Freddie Blassie defeat Swede Hansen. Did you see the end of this match? I did see the end of this match. Yes. He Nikolai actually tries to pick him up. Nikolai's finishing move, for those who don't know is a, a press slam that goes yep. into a backbreaker. It's a, a cool lift. finisher. Yep. This sweet Hansen is like 350 pounds. Yeah. He was attempting to do it to him, and he just, he just gave up on it. But uh, it's pretty cool. Swede misses a charge in the corner, and Nikolai hits a backdrop and a really impressive deadlift power slam for the win. Fun little Haas fight that was kept mercifully short, but they just tossed bombs and lumbered around with some energy, a perfect length for Nikolai. That's Speaking just, of- Justin's thoughts on it. Uh, he never got he he didn't get him up for the impressive slam. It didn't happen. He got him like up to his. Uh, he got not him, even close to the press. He got him up high enough for Justin to be impressed by it. There you go. Anyway, speaking of Sweet Hanson, I have a acquaintance friend acquaintance that is Sweet is the nephew of Sweet Hanson, and I don't believe the person to be lying because who would lie about being the nephew of of a random you know nothing against Sweet Hanson, but that's just the most random person to. To say, hey, you like wrestling? I'm Sweet Hanson's nephew. So. Yep. Uh, he died February 19, 2002 at 68, Columbia, South Carolina. Um, he's originally from East Orange, New Jersey, so it makes sense there in terms go. of geography. 
Uh, he attended high school until his senior year. He was offered a football scholarship to Wake Forest University, but he declined the offer and stopped attending school. His mother was struggling financially, so Hanson became an aircraft mechanic to help his family. He also competed as an amateur boxer, where he compiled a 61-3 and record in the New Jersey Golden Gloves. Cool. All right. He was up. He was on the Tuesday Night Titans when Alfred and Vince went to Hillbilly Jim's granny's house, and they yep. gave uh, they gave Alfred the moonshine. I remember. <laughs> Moving yeah. on, big match here. Uh, Jimmy Snuka defeated Bob Wharton nine fifty nine in a singles match. Uh, huge pop for Snuka uh, this night. He's going through Piper's crew basically. Um, Gene discovers that discusses that Piper's got a bounty on Snuka. Uh, Snuka shoots Orton across the ring, and he ends up uh, flopping on top of him. Solid match, uh, I thought. Orton clutches his forearm uh, to start a huge angle. Gorilla wonders, is his elbow broken? Um, it was uh, short enough. Never thought it really like totally fired. You know what I mean? Like it felt like. More was going to happen. They had the crowd like there and ready for it, but I didn't think they fully delivered. But I think, you know, more than anything, it serves to 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 launch the, the angle injury with Orton's Orton's injury. And then, of course, Snuka, who Piper has a bounty on and is going through and will be part of the main event at WrestleMania next month. Anything on this one? You know, it was just refreshing you know, as this card's going along to see two top guys. Yep. Going at it. Yep. You know, this is definitely the besides the ladies' match. This is the, the the match down from the main event. Yeah, just this is the match. A lot. Of, this is the answer of a trivia question. This match. Where did Bob Orton hurt his arm for the cast? Here it is. Right. That's about it. Fink reveals that officials are forcing Roddy Piper to do a live pit in MSG next month with Mister T as his guest. Huge pop for that. Yeah, I, I always thought that. Like you, you never know, you know, you never know at all. You know, what I mean, I love learning yep. new things, doing doing research for this. You know, I'm I'm a WWF historian, '80s, which I am. You know, you look up '80s wrestling, why I picked WWF yep. why I picked historian in the dictionary. There's a picture of my handsome face. Right, that's why I no, picked no you. no neck beards. I happen to be flipping, flipping through that dictionary. <laughs> saw there your you face. I was like, oh, I should do a podcast with this guy. I called you up. There you go. So now everybody knows the answer to that. But uh, anyway. Yeah, you think you know it all? I thought that this was the night Mr. T jumped over. You know, we're going to get to what happens. I thought this was his, his debut with the whole rock and wrestling scenario. No, the weekend before this on Championship Wrestling, Mr. Roddy Piper visited the A-Team set. Everybody probably knows that segment, but I just always thought it was right after this. But it was before it. And But on the Championship Wrestlings, they ran a crawl next week. The week before, next week, is Mr. T is going to be on Piper's Pit. The announcers didn't say zero, not jack shit about it. They said Don Morocco is going to be on Piper's Pit. So the taping was January 22nd. So somewhere after that, they must have struck a deal uh, with T. And it was it was all spliced in to the WWF TV before our show here today. Paul Orndorff defeats Tony Atlas, who had just had too much too soon in his career. Uh, 6.08, short enough, got to be honest, I was a little bit bored to tears watching it, a couple guys that are a little stiff, not a lot going on, I mean, it's a one-star match to me, you know, like, if someone's like, what's a one-star match, I would say, oh, did you ever see Piper defeat 
or Orndorff defeat Atlas at the uh, MSG in February of '85. Yeah. Anything? Did you see anything? I didn't. No, I didn't. But I was wondering if this was before or after the the little thing they had on TNT with the pose down and Orndorff attacked him and Tony Atlas, crazy loon, you crazy, you crazy loon. I love that. That's yeah, hilarious. I think it's before that. No, it's right, probably right around, right, right around, around here. Yep, probably before. All right, <laughs> huge, huge, huge amount of time given to the U.S. Express, Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda, the champs, the which with Captain Lou Albano, and they defeat. The spoiler and the assassin in 36 seconds. Um, okay. Uh, That's definitely for uh, time. Any idea who the assassin was? Uh, in this match or in general? It was many guys, I, right? Yeah, but I have no idea in this match. Obviously, yeah. we know the spoiler, but yeah. the assassin, no, I didn't get a chance to look into it yet. Just yet. I'll have our answer for, for us. Everybody's going to be biting their whole biting their tongue. I'm saying the wrong thing, but whatever. Chomping down on their teeth, waiting for next our next show so I can answer who the assassin is. Well, basically, Rotunda drills the assassin with a drop kick off the bell, tags in Wyndham, who lands a bulldog for the win. There's a squash. That was it, but it makes the champs look awesome. And they're headed to WrestleMania where they're going to be part of a trivia question themselves. Uh, they're going to face Sheiky Baby <laughs> and um, Volkov. At WrestleMania 1. But they look awesome here in the 36 seconds they got. Yeah, they did. Uh, and look, at if you only got 36 seconds, they booked them strong. You know, it was it was effective. Uh, one more match before we get to the score. And it's Don Morocco uh, defeating Salvatore Belomo in 241. A uh, late spot on the card here. Uh, Fuji is with Morocco, of course. This is new, I believe, Fuji and Morocco together, beginning of a long... Right, and they're going to go on to those great uh, vignettes, the Vice uh, vignettes Legendary. that they do. Legendary. Uh, but basically, they're rebuilding Morocco here, you know, getting him back up, and he's going to have some great matches with Hogan, uh, which we're going to definitely cover at some point. In soon. In 85. Uh, soon, we're getting to that one. Yeah, so, um, you know, a quick bout, but effective. Again, they're rebuilding Morocco. They're getting ready from Hogan. He shows good energy. You know, he's out there with Fuji. Like you said, it's early on in that. Not on WrestleMania either. Yep. Uh, Edward Carpentier comes out for a quick recognition from Fink and the crowd. And then here we are uh, at the uh, at the main event. Now, before we get to the match, and I'm going to read Justin's notes, we'll go through it nice and slow. Uh, let's talk about the show itself um, and what we have. So. Only the the first card is is shown. Now, before that, before the match, they go through some promos. And I watched for 45 minutes the raw footage of the promos. And I was going to go through each one quickly. There's like 10 of them. They didn't all air, obviously. Some did, some didn't. Uh, they were doing all these vignettes. MTV had, uh, what was the tagline MTV had? And they were having the heels say the tagline. Say the opposite of the tagline. I hate my MTV and the faces <laughs> where I love my MTV. I want my MTV. I love yeah. MTV. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Dr. D is first. Uh, he doesn't like rock and roll. He's sick of Cindy Lauper. Uh, but he does no break dancing. Uh, he calls Captain Lou a big fat goof and leaves by saying rock and roll stinks. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. He's proud of Roddy Piper. Uh, Cindy deserved what she got. And rock and roll does not belong in wrestling. 
Uh, Piper's with the ace, and he says, I am the event. He's right about that uh, to some degree. Piper sings. Piper says rock is bad for America and also that he hates MTV. MTV, music to vomit by. Uh, Brutus Beefcake struggling, as he did often uh, in his early promos. When he was still from Parts Unknown. Says he is rock and roll uh, and that Cindy takes too much credit and, you know, it's a disaster. The only uh, rock and roll Brutus Beefcake is he shopped in the same store as David Lee Roth. Absolutely. Cindy, uh, David Lee. Uh, Captain Lou apologizes to Alan for their last meeting, calls Piper a jerk, talks about how he raised money for MS, um, says he uh, will get even with Piper. Uh, then it's Cindy and Lou together. Uh, Cindy says she shook up from MSG. Uh, Dave got hurt bad. Uh, she could have lost her whole career out there. Look out, Piper. Uh, rock and roll is here to stay. A couple more. Bruno San Martino loves rock and roll. He loves it. I was shocked by that. Uh, but he's a big, a big rock guy. Stones, Beatles, Zeppelin, all of it. Loves it. Yeah, why not? Uh, he's got a ton of respect for Cindy. Loves the rock and roll uh, connection and says that Roddy Piper embarrasses him. Uh, he's more like a Dean Martin guy. Yep. Then the living legends out there with Cindy as well. Uh, the rock and roll connection is strong. Uh, they raise money with Lou. Cindy says David is a great wrestler. Um, with you about know, as far as it goes, the son. Cindy puts over yeah. his son, saying, "You know, hey, David San Martino is a great wrestler. She's the only one who thought so." Uh, Bobby, the brain Heenan <laughs> is next. He says he's the number one manager. He hates Rock. He likes Tony Bennett. Uh, he hates uh, the, he hates the band. He calls them the Electric Orange Flash. That's a band he hates. I don't know if he means ELO there or if he's just riffing, but he hates the just band. Maybe Cindy's hair mixed with a little ELO. The Electric Orange Flash, hated band by Bobby. Uh, Captain Lou got what he deserves. Uh, uh, Cindy should be home with David cleaning the garbage. Uh, Snooka and Captain Lou are next. Uh, Captain Lou apologizes to Snooka. And uh, uh, Snooker says that he's one of the finest men he knows. Uh, uh, Lou says about Snooker, he's one of the finest men I know, uh, which is questionable, to say the least, if <laughs> Snooker's a fine man. <laughs> Snooker's last. He likes Lou. He never had any hard feelings. Piper's no good. Cindy is beautiful. He would like to take her to a motel if she wants to go. Uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully she just doesn't slip and fall. Uh, and rock is the name of the game, brother. So that was all that stuff before the match. Anything you've seen before the match? Anything you want to mention about the promos? Uh, anything in that part of the, of the show? Um, it was a little excessive. I mean, I saw with D. Snyder was jumping in on some of those. A couple of other uh, rock people from the time. And I like the pro the post mass promos. Is, uh was my was my right. cup of tea. And we'll get to that. So okay. Hogan and Piper, uh, massive main event, awesome atmosphere. Gene and Gorilla reset the commentary to welcome in the MTV audience. And uh, Gene does a good job setting the stage for those joining it, in. Isn't yep. it kind of weird how, how uh, p- people, I don't know if we explained this exactly right. We talk about all the things we just talked about, the matches. We're on the MSG network. That's on now, one show. Now we got a new show, show on MTV. This is 
uh, still live, but you turned over to MTV. Right. And it's all, it's only an hour starting at 10 o'clock. And it's all those promos that Steve just went over. Then it goes into the main event. So you had it on MSG Network and MTV, which went all, all over cable MTV. So it's weird that Gene is uh, like the play by play in Gorilla's kind of color, the way they introduce us. Right. Right. And Gene, Gene definitely goes like really takes control of the event, I thought. Correct. And does a great job. Uh, Piper has the full bagpipe entrance. It's a big fight feel, and he's getting booed, I love like, that. booed like crazy. Orton is with Piper in his arms in a sling after what happened earlier. Bob Costas, a legendary sports announcer, Syracuse University, Olympics. I mean, just the man of men. Steps in as a guest ring announcer. His relationship with the WWF wouldn't always be so friendly. Yeah, it soured around WrestleMania 7. Uh, and then he went even worse uh, quite right. some time after that. Yeah, when he his show, Vince was on his show. With Vince. Yep. Um, Bob Costas, he's there. It adds to the excitement. Hogan, Lopper, and Albano come storming out to eye the tiger as MSG explodes. Paula said, yeah, the crowd is going wild when we were watching this. Yeah, uh, that's that's coming out from the back. I believe they used that for the Hulk Hogan rock and wrestling cartoon introduction. As they're all coming down the hallway yep, there in the that's, garden. That's right. I, iconic. Hogan meets up with Mr. T, who fires him up from ringside before the match. An amazing atmosphere and event. Chaos, star power, excitement. Uh, the match starts hot with both trading bombs and then rolling on the mat uh, while brawling. Hogan starts. Looks like a fight. Looks really like a fight yep, going on a, there. A brawl. You know, I think is even the yeah. right word. Hogan starts to hammer away with right hands and slams hard into him with a charge to the corner. Piper is rattled as Hogan slams him twice and drops an elbow. Piper recovers with a clothesline for two and then kicks away at the head before choking away. Gene notes all the celebrities in attendance as Piper grabs a sleeper hold. Hogan fights to his feet and leverages Piper into the top turnbuckle to force the break. Piper is up first and keeps the pressure on getting assists from Orton, but Hogan fights him off and spikes his injured arm off the turnbuckle. Uh, awesome. P- Piper begs off as Hogan clobbers him and craps him w- with a clothesline. Orndorff now comes out to ringside and says he's taking Orton's place as Hogan hits an atomic drop. Piper nails Hogan, who bumps the ref, allowing Orndorff to head to the top rope and drop a tight knee into the chest of Hogan. Piper and Orndorff kick away at Hogan as the crowd chants for T, and it's the heat is building here. Uh, Lopper hops onto the apron, but David Wolf stops her from getting into the ring. Piper and Orndorff corner Lopper, but T finally hops the railing to protect her. Uh, T attacks as Hogan recovers, but a flood of security and agents hit the ring to break everyone apart. Hogan gets his hands on Piper, but is pulled off as Piper and Orndorff escape. Hogan and T shakes hands as the ring clears out. Hogan and T pose and celebrate with Albano, Lopper, and Wolf to wrap things up. Red hot, awesome spectacle. Fire. Well booked and executed to get fans and viewers buzzing. A great use of MTV. So now let's grade the match, Dave. And well, well, first, your your reaction to just the match. Just fired. Everything it needed to be. It looked like like a brawl, like a real fight. Sometimes perfectly executed wrestling moves, in my opinion, look like just that. What the heck am I watching here? These guys have this whole thing planned out. 
when they're all over the place and some shots are hitting, some aren't. It's like, this looks like these guys are fighting. And that's what I like. And that's what this match was. And it was just heat everywhere, uh, playing off or- Orton's injury and Hulkster nailing it against the post to keep that cast in the mix, which would play a role coming into WrestleMania, that cast, and would play a role in WrestleMania even years later down the line. And uh, the way uh, Piper and Orndorff, both wearing blue, went down the apron and cornered Cindy Lauper, just an iconic moment right there. And then Mr. T jumping over T the, uh, the rail and barricade. Wow. And you, wow. and you got, yeah. And you got Danny DeVito and Joe Piscopo, Andy Warhol out there in the crowd. I mean, that's, that's, that's top of the line at the time. You know, Danny DeVito, come on. And, um, yeah, it was just, it's just phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Now, and it now, paved, you paved know, the way. You know how we do this. Our ratings are relative to Hogan matches. Okay, so relative to Hulk Hogan matches, what are you giving this? All things obviously considered um, from the entrances to the exits. All that's in play. Only negative I'd go on, it was a little short. I think they could have, you know, taken out, you know, a, a match or two on this a bloated card. Even MTV taking out a promo. It was eight forty. Promos. Eight forty was shorter the time. Than that. Yeah, it eight, was eight forty. Eight forty. God, it was so fast paced that it didn't seem was like it was that long. It seemed shorter to me. But uh, that this is a four and quarter stars for me. I'm right with you. I was between four, four and a half, four and a quarter, trying to figure out where where I was on it. But four and a quarter sounds good. Look at unparalleled heat. Wrestlers go their lives. Without wrestling a match with the heat like this, it's what it means when people care. It's like Hogan in the Rock WrestleMania 18. How many moves did they do? But everybody's eyes were on it, including Dave Meltzer and whoever you are, if you're an ECW fan or whatever. Everybody's eyes were glued to it. You could do a million things out there, but if nobody gives a shit, who cares? Right. How many stars Meltzer gives it? This is what wrestling is all about, in my opinion. When they make the people give a shit. And, it's and that's definitely, what this is all about. Definitely what I was looking for and what I enjoyed then and enjoy now. All right. Gene heads to the back to interview Alan Hunter, who's kind of with MTV. Uh, he gives Whatever us, became of Alan Hunter, he was all over this. Yeah, he was like kind of the main guy like from yeah. the MTV side. You know, He's he like was, a little, little nerd. He was the MTV uh, mean Gene, you know, essentially. And I think he was one of the original DJs or VJs. I know he was him and oh, yeah. Nina Blackwood, Mark Goodman, Martha Quinn, and JJ Jackson. Oh yeah. Uh, today he's a host on SiriusXM Radio's The Eighties on Eight Channel, and he co-owns a production company with Hunter, a production company called Hunter Films, with his brother Hugh. Good for him. So that's where he still is. Still out there. Sixty-three Good. years old. He was born in Birmingham, Alabama. All right. Good. All right, you ask, you ask these questions. I got to answer them. You throw me off. All right, here we are. He heads <laughs> back. Alan's got nothing to say, obviously. He's just happy that rock and roll came out on top in the end. Uh, Hunter leaves, and Hogan comes in and cuts a red-hot promo saying he would die for rock and roll and his title. Uh, David Wolf and Cindy Lauper come in next to put over a bunch of people banding together as one for a tremendous cause. Hogan says that Lauper risked her life for the rock and roll connection. And Lopper said she was there to protect her friend and trash as Piper, Orndorff, and Orton, saying there weren't men enough to fight one-on-one. Mr. T joins in and says he doesn't like chumps, fool, and that's why he got involved. 
He loves going to as many wrestling matches as he can to see good, clean action. But tonight, he had to step in to protect Lopper. T tells Hogan he has his back anytime he needs him. And uh, Hogan might take him up on that offer. Uh, Albano joins in and puts over Lopper for stepping in. Hogan and T for <laughs> coming together yeah. as a team. Yeah. Albano here. He's just going wild. And Miss Bean Gene goes, I, this tickles me for some reason. Can somebody calm this man down? And he goes, <laughs> then he goes, let's bring someone in with a little bit of a lower profile. And of all the people, the most low profile of anybody in the world, Andy Warhol comes in. Yep, Andy can't Warhol. Make this, can't make this shit up. He man. steps in next, but he's speechless. <laughs> He's speechless yeah. while he went down. I love it. Uh, Gene tries to pull an answer out of him, but he just mumbles some quick comments. Bobby, Bobby Heenan, I think it was in his book, said at uh, one of these shows, like Andy Warhol, it's like, yeah, he's a big wrestling fan. He was always back there in a the garden, but one day I caught him taking a picture of my shoes. You know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Piscopo steps into the room and talks about how hot and exciting everything and the main event was my mother, a big fan of Joe Piscopo's radio program. She speaks to me about it all the time. He also says the women's match was hot too, and he says he'll be back March thirteenth. Uh, Billy Squire is up yeah, next. Everything was hot. That's hot. Yeah. He's like the Par- Paris Hilton of nineteen eighty five. Uh, Billy Squire, rock and roller. All right. Yep, he's up next. Oh, what's my jam by him? His my kind of lover. It, uh, there's a couple of them. They, they did that in the Motley Crue movie, The Dirt. That's what Vince was playing with his band when they discovered him. You might have you had your stomach problem when that was happening, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> oh, God, there's, a, there's so many songs. Uh, Billy Squire. You, you, in, the dark. Brain, in the Dark. In the Dark. In the Dark. I just that the other day at the gym. Great song. Love that jam. Uh, let's see. He's up next, and he trashes Orndorff, uh, but smashing, smashing a guitar, and he says he will smash it over Orndorff's head if it comes to it. Danny DeVito comes in and puts over Captain Lou and the teaming of T and Hogan. DeVito mentions his upcoming film, Wise Guys, which Albano is in, and says that says this was his first live wrestling event, and he'll definitely be back. Uh, Piper interrupts wearing just a towel and cuts a great promo telling Hogan to fight one-on-one or just hand over the title like a man. He calls He calls Piper a coward and says... He left Hogan laying like a piece of garbage and says he was never pinned and is the champion. He tells Hogan to bring whoever he wants, including the little black man, before storming off. Uh, Gene and Alan Hunter wrap things up. And awesome. Before you go on, Steve, before you go on, I just wanted to make mention of how about Danny DeVito and Piper, their pre-Always Sunny in Philadelphia when Piper was uh, the maniac on that show. Did you, did you ever see that? Yeah, and I wanted to mention, too, that Piper stars in a really great movie that I think is sort of born out of the rock and wrestling idea called Body Slam, and it's all, it stars uh, Face Man from the A-Team, uh, who, yes. who is uh, Dirk Benedict, is a star Dirk in it. Benedict. The Samoas are in it. Uh, and a pretty Tanya Roberts, who just passed away. Yeah, great movie. I just thought of it when we were talking about the movies. <laughs> and Pipe, when Piper walks in, and he, he's got a towel on, he just... He like he can't. Danny DeVito's so short, like he can't. He knows what he's doing, but he acts like he can't even see him. Then he just looks down and goes softly. He says, "Please," <laughs> when he sees Danny DeVito, <laughs> like it means nothing. Fantastic. But an awesome post show wrap up with all the interviews. Brilliant formatting for the MTV show. Um, here's one thing I wanted to mention. So this is one of the very few Hogan and Piper one on one matches, and probably the biggest. The biggest of them all. 
Definitely. And there was more. There was more here, uh-huh. and there was more money to be made. But Piper wouldn't let Hogan win clean in a match against him, and that's a big reason why it isn't Hogan versus Piper in the main event at WrestleMania one, but instead uh, a tag match. Maybe they would have done that anyway, but they had to. I think do they would have done that anyway. But, but I think they would have done they, a loop afterwards with Piper. But they had to do it because that they were backed into a corner by the fact that Hogan, uh, that Piper wouldn't allow Hogan to beat him clean. So my question to you to wrap all this up is: Do you think Piper left money on the table uh, by not swallowing his pride and allowing Hogan to pin him? Do you think that he would have lost as much as he feels like he would have? Uh, would that have offset what he would have gained if he would have allowed Hogan to beat him one time clean in a match and allow them to have a proper feud? Eh, I don't know. H- Hogan says that. I've heard Hogan say that in uh, Right, but I want your opinion. Interviews. I'm asking yeah, you. Uh, no, no, I don't. I think everything was perfect, and I think it makes Piper even that much more, you know, even much more stronger. A cu- cu- Hogan never pinned the Warrior. You know, not counting WCW. He can Piper in WCW. But, you know, I mean, there's, there's a couple of guys uh, that you can think about that. Right, but Hogan yeah. lost the match to Warrior. That's why he didn't pin him, right? Yeah. And, and they just decided to go a different direction. If it would have been Hogan versus Warrior at WrestleMania 7, Hogan would have pinned him. Yeah, well, maybe. I guess, you know, they could have done more more house show stuff. But, I mean, at this time at the house shows, they could have easily done three and had Hogan win by DQ once, Piper win by count out the next month. Then Hogan beat him in a cage without pinning him, and everything would have been normal. So the whole pinning thing, I don't get it. They could have got they could have got around it in the uh, like we're going to do the Morocco feud. Does Hogan pin him? I don't think so. I think he there's a couple of DQs. But was it specifically pinning or just losing in general in a one on one? I I think it was pin submit. I don't think it was losing in general. But I don't know. A lot of that shit they just talk about it in hindsight, and I just think yeah, I don't know. That's just my opinion. I think they left money on the table. Yeah. Um, look, at, in terms of storytelling and things like that, do you need it? No, not necessarily. Uh, but I think that when I think of the greatest people that Hogan feuded with and I rank them, Piper loses out because they never had a great singles match to resolve it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, there should have been. There should have been. There was no. For sure. There was no payoff. Really, I guess. Yeah, is what there I'm was. Saying. There should no. There never was. You have the wrestling classic match at that's a schmaz, and uh, you know that's kind of a throwaway pay per view anyway. And um, yeah, no, I mean they, they should have done the three, you know, three matches in Boston, three matches in New York, three matches in Philly. They they never did that. Whether Piper was going to get pinned or not, for some reason he didn't want to do didn't want to do business. And yeah, from not doing it, I think they could have got away with it without Hogan pinning him, but they still should have done it. So yes, they lost money. All right, well, I'm interested in what the listeners think. You can email us, number two, number four, inch podcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, number two, number four, inch podcast on Twitter. Or is it pod? 24-inch pod. 24-inch pod on Twitter. Podcast. Podcast. 24-inch podcast. podcast on Twitter. Yep, podcast. Uh, so let us know what you think about that. All right, Dave, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Uh, we're going to do some plugs. we got a couple emails to read. And then we're going to empty that back, that back pocket uh, and let everyone know uh, what um, is the next show. And yeah, my, my back's hurting from sitting on this loaded back pocket. You got a funny tweet. Uh, while we were recording, I tweeted out recording. And at reviews from the tub 
says, I'm looking forward to this moment in Wayne Gretzky history. <laughs> I guess it's for a lot of hockey. We all, well, no, we always talk about Wayne Gretzky. You said it last show even. How no matter we when we read the news, there's a Wayne Gretzky moment. But we had before we had Lemieux before this I week. even heard that tweet, we got I said his name during the during the news. So thank you, uh, Mr. Cummings. I know who that is. All right. Shout out shout out to Reviews from the Tub. Check him out on YouTube, Reviews from the Tub. He reviews different kind of products, whether it's a Snickers bar or the newest kind of Doritos from his bathtub. So you might want to put on a pair of shades before you take a look at it. But uh yeah, it's a great slot. It's a lot of fun. Take a look. All right, we'll be right back to finish this thing up. Four inch podcast. We are back. Episode six. Been a good one. The war to settle the score. Talking Roddy Piper and Cindy Lauper and rock and wrestling. Paula Bennett has joined us. How you doing there, sweetheart? Good. Hey, Paula. Hey. All right. Well, real... I missed you. I haven't heard from you all night. What's going on? You hiding on Hollywood Dave? I've been playing with mommy. Oh, okay. That's okay. That's that's the only acceptable excuse. <laughs> All right, some plugs real quick. Don't forget about the Sportscasters. Uh, the next episode of the Sportscasters will have Cousin Sal. Jimmy, Kim- Jimmy Kimmel's Cousin Sal will be on the show. Uh, you can find the Sportscasters at sports underscore casters. Email me, the sportscasters at gmail.com, and find all episodes of the Sportscasters on my SoundCloud feed. It's soundcloud.com slash sports underscore casters. Please check out Greetings from Allentown and our friend Peter Winston. Uh, you can find his latest show. It is a, a 1990, I believe, NWA show. Yep, 324, 1990, Eaton versus Pillman, episode 205 for Dave. And don't forget, greetings from Allentown Live uh, with the great Keithy. You can find him on Twitter at GF Allentown Pod. Also, I want to thank Justin Rosero again for the notes uh, that I used to describe some of the matches from the war to settle the score. Don't forget about the Place to Be Nation podcast. They are celebrating 10 years of podcasting excellence. Uh, congratulations to them. They had episode number 570, uh, which was a 10-year anniversary celebration. Uh, and they watched the Survivor Series showdown uh, from 1991, just before uh, Survivor Series 91. And Peter Winston's on that as well. Uh, Peter Winston and I have a podcast called The Adams Division Podcast. We do it quarterly and the next podcast is going to be big it's going to be my top top 10 hulk hogan matches versus his top 10 randy savage matches i'm really looking forward to that one. yeah we're going to go back and forth on those and we'll get people's lists involved and all that as well uh but look for that in the next week or two we're getting really close to being ready uh to roll tape on that uh let's see any other plugs just follow us on twitter we're at the number two the number four (coughs) 
the word inch and the word podcast at 24 inch podcast on Twitter. Feel free to email us 24 inch podcast at gmail.com. All right. We do have emails tonight. Do you want to get us started, Dave? Okay. Uh, this is kind of turned into the Cindy Lauper uh, podcast. I don't know if there is one out there, but uh, yeah, when we're in this era, a lot of Cindy stuff. So Paula, you could help us out with this one. This one's from a uh, female listener, Jamie from Flushing Queens. Jamie okay. says, I'm sure you'll I'm sure you guys will end up answering this early in the podcast, but here it goes. How does Cindy Lauper become involved in professional wrestling? Did she happen to be a wrestling fan? Was somebody in the WWF a Cindy Lauper fan, or was it strictly a good economic decision for both parties at the time? Uh, for what we haven't, uh, for me to go first here, what we haven't answered already in the podcast, I could briefly just say that she sat next to Captain Lou Albano, I guess, in either 83 or early 84 on a plane ride. To Puerto Rico. Then, yep. New York it was to Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. Yep. Okay. And they uh, got into, you know, they, they became friends on that plane ride, and that led to Lou being in her videos, which led to, I guess, her doing a favor back for Lou coming on Piper's Pit and everything, and it was just a big snowball. Uh, Stephen, Paula, what do you guys say? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Paula, to add on this, what do you think about Cindy being in wrestling in general? Have you enjoyed watching Cindy in wrestling? Do you think she's good with wrestling? What did you think about Cindy and her involvement in wrestling? So I think when Cindy does it, I think when he met Captain Wu, it was better. So that's how she met Captain Wu and she became his wrestler. Do you remember? Do you want to tell them about when Cindy got a trophy? And then what happened to Captain Lou? Why don't you tell the listeners about that? Okay. So they were getting some supplies, and then Cindy Lauper got a big, huge trophy. And then Waddy Piper comes out with Ace, and then he whacked Captain Lou. And also Dave Wolf. And Dave Wolf, yeah. Yeah. Dave Wolf had to do the stretcher job, right? Yeah, well explained. And yeah, then, very. You're on fire tonight, Paula. Excellent. And then who came and made the save? Because Daddy screwed this up earlier. Who made the save? Chased everyone out of the ring. Hulk Hogan. Yeah, it was Hulk Hogan. Very good. Hulk Hogan. Yes, sir. Yep. Daddy screwed that up earlier and said Mr. T. All right, I got one email. So much, Steve. So, so yeah. In your defense, so much going on at, at this time. We weren't watching it in real time. It's kind of understandable. Yeah, I was just. I this think, one's in the crowd. That one's in the crowd. This I think in my head, I was just picturing something different where he runs yeah. in. I watch so many different Piper's Pits and matches and angles That's what for I mean. this yeah, show. Yeah, yeah it's mixed them up. But bad job by me. All right. That's hey, what man. I'm here for. That's why you went into the dictionary <laughs> and found me. Bad job. <laughs> bad job by me. Good job by Paula. Yeah. <laughs> Paula's big Mike and the Mad Dog fan. Yeah. Oh, so am I. Whoop. Just Whoop. don't fall asleep on the air. Yeah, do not fall asleep on the air with poor Mikey. All right. Uh, I do have one. Hold on. Let me get it. Daddy. So it came in on uh, the Twitter, so I got to open that up. See who it, who it was, it who we got. You know what it is. Yeah. It's the Nurse Cindy Lover thing. Yeah. Gonna be what, what, kind of, what kind of hairspray does Cindy Lover use? Real quickly, I wanted to mention Green. another podcast plug. <laughs> Friend of mine, Adrian Dater. Green or orange or purple or <laughs> what yellow? Are you, what are you jibber jabbing, Cindy's hair? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know the color. Okay, well, can I mention <laughs> something real quick? Do I have your permission to speak? Yep. Okay. 
I was on a podcast hosted by Adrian Dater. It's up now. Uh, it's a new pod. Is COVID making the NHL season too much of a drag? Should it be stopped? A discussion with my old pod partner at Sports underscore casters. Check that out at a Dater for more information on that. All right. Let me find the question here. Again, our our Twitter uh, for this podcast is at the number two, the number four inch podcast. All right, guys. The Super Bowl was just played. Uh, and, of course, WrestleMania is the Super Bowl of wrestling. Uh, do you guys have a favorite WrestleMania, a favorite WrestleMania match, or a favorite Hulk Hogan WrestleMania moment? A loaded question there from my friend, uh, a, a longtime listener of the Sportscasters, who I actually took out to dinner on my honeymoon and made me look like a rock star. This nervous kid was waiting for me at a Vegas casino. Ford Kendrick totally got me, um, got my wife really wet that night. Um, you know, I thought I was like a mini celebrity. Uh, there was this guy. Well, you are. You're yeah. on a podcast with Hollywood Dave now. But that's uh, Ford Kendrick uh, got us that. Loaded question. A lot to unpack. But we can humor him since he's a good friend. And uh, and mention that. You want to start, Dave? Okay, all right. Well, I mean, I wish this was going to be what my favorite WrestleMania is and my Hulk Hogan moments at WrestleMania is. That's the question? Yeah, I, I think the question to sum it up is what's your favorite WrestleMania, what's your favorite match, and what's your favorite Hogan moment? Okay, well, my favorite WrestleMania is WrestleMania three. Same. That's a little obvious. It Same. Was, uh, I first got into wrestling in uh, late summer, 86. I, I knew wrestling. I've talked about it. I knew it in 85 and part of 86. I knew little bits, little got wrestling figures, whatever. But I really, really started following it week to week in late summer '86. So it was per- WrestleMania three is my sweet spot. But I mean, it's, it's so good anyway. Even if I wasn't watching it in real time, it might still be my favorite WrestleMania. And uh, what could you say about it? Everything's perfect from the start to finish, from the, the commentators, all the awesome angles. Steamboat Savage, you got your technical match in there. You got your awesome feuds. Steamboat Savage, Hogan, Andre, Piper, Adonis. JYD Race, Billy Jack Herc, keep going down the line. Uh, and uh, obviously Hogan slamming Andre. I, I thought Hogan was going to lose. I thought there was, you know, I was only six years old, but I thought there was no chance in hell that, you know, he's going to beat Andre the Giant. Nobody could beat Andre the Giant. You know, 15 years undefeated, you know, to my knowledge at that time, I believe what they said. So, of course, I'm going to name that as my number one. But uh, another match I want to throw in there. It's it's always the times where where you feel like you're down on on Hulkster. Uh, WrestleMania 18 with The Rock. I kind you know mm, I don't yeah. I don't yeah I don't you know I'm not a technical wrestling guy. I don't believe in any of that shit with all the Mark's love and Dave Meltzer. But I really thought Hogan was gonna shit it up in there on the big stage in 2002. I said, ah oh, man, I almost don't even want. He's, everybody's gonna make fun of him, and he's not gonna be able to keep up with The Rock and. And, you know, all this kind of stuff. I almost didn't even want to watch it. It was on St. Patrick's Swerve. Day. Me and, yep. Yeah, me, me and all my friends were out at the bar. Yeah, I was busy that Uncle day, T- too. Yeah, I know the story. We came to my Uncle Tito's house, about 20 of us deep, guys and girls, everybody. Wrestling was still pretty hot at that time, 2002, but I was still nervous. Like, oh, I was kind of like, yeah, kind of playing it off. Uh, at least he's in the, at least he's here. At least, uh, and he fucking, excuse my language, he tore it up, man. Took sure over did. everything. Yeah. What a moment. I just wish they played Real American at the end. That's the only thing I could change there. We'll cover that eventually. 
So yeah, that's that, that's my moment, Hogan taking back his house, taking everything back, keeping up with the Rock, if not even surpassing the Rock in that match. I gotta Steve, your area, Toronto. Yeah, you know, should have uh, been there. Those, fan, those fans. Oh, I wish you were there. But uh, my God, what a what a just made me feel so good. I can't I can't explain how how good that made me feel as a diehard Hulk, Hulkamaniac. So the WrestleMania three, WrestleMania eighteen, I. Uh, I love all of them. There's not, I mean, just, I love the ending of WrestleMania nine. It was so unexpected. I, everybody I was watching went, went crazy. It's sort of the you crowd know, the, there, by the yeah, way. Yeah. The aftermath, the aftermath might not have worked out right, but, but for that moment, that was awesome. That was yeah. oh, no, nothing against Brett. We love Brett, but Hey, you know, you know, we thought they were going to team up the next week. You know what I mean? It's people right. didn't, didn't act like that way back then. My my favorite WrestleMania is WrestleMania three. You know the the question was like, oh, WrestleMania is the Super Bowl. That particular WrestleMania, that is a Super Bowl. Just the the crowd, the arena, uh, the main event, everything about it was a Super Bowl. My favorite match of all time at WrestleMania is Steamboat versus Savage. At WrestleMania three, it's my favorite match of all time, regardless of any qualifier you want to put on it it's my favorite match and my favorite hogan moment at wrestlemania is beating the macho man at wrestlemania 5 because it was a house divided that day good uh, match when the mega powers exploded and my dad was all in for macho man i think part of it was he's just busting my balls uh but he was rooting against hogan hard he had a following still macho yeah my dad always did love macho so you know but my dad loved Jesse, and Jesse loved Macho, and all that. But it yeah. was a huge moment when Hogan dropped the leg and got the pin, and I got bragging rights and won a big bet against my dad, who had uh, Macho Man. So that's how I did. He thought, Ma- thought Macho was gonna go over, huh? Yeah, like I think he just didn't really think anything. He just wanted to cheer against me, you know. And, okay. You know, I think he was just just playing heel. You know what I mean? Just yeah. Just living. It was kind of one of those, moment. a little bit one of those obvious ones until until you got there though. Macho, dude, Macho's so good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can't I mean, wait. I, can't wait to cover that one someday. Can't wait. We got a lot. We we could do like six shows on that feud. All Different right. Different stuff. Paula, before we sign off for the night, is there anything you want to say? Anything you want to tell the people? Anything you want to mention? Is there anything we need? What's your agenda? Do you got anything you need to get out there to the people? Right into that mic. Speak with it. There you go. I have one email. Okay. What do you got? So, my mommy said. Oh, your mommy sent an email in. Okay. And she said, how are you making the Hulk Hogan podcast with today when the Hulk Hogan did it? Okay. So, your mom wants to know, as far as the Hulk Hogan podcast go, why do we pick Hulk Hogan to be the podcast? Yeah. Okay, Dave, you want to tell why we decided to do a Hulk Hogan podcast as opposed to, like, say, you know, a Butch Reed podcast or a Steamboat podcast or Ric Flair or whoever? Wouldn't have had a problem with any of those three. Uh, thank you, Miss Cammy, for the question, by the way. And um, I'll think her properly later. <laughs> you do that, my yeah. friend. And, uh, okay, well, obviously we're uh, a big Hulk Hogan fan. And I think kind of in years that goes by, in hindsight, his, he's still the biggest, most famous wrestler of all time. But yep, he's the guy the on way, the cover the, of Sports Illustrated. Yeah, but the way people, 
I want to set the record straight on some of the stuff, the way it really went down. Because on a lot of podcasts, a lot of things, they act like the way they look at this stuff in hindsight as is as the way it went down in the 80s. And I was there, and it's, it, that's not the case. As Like I just said with the WrestleMania 9 stuff, it's not the way it went down. It's not the way people thought. So I want to get put my – people have a right to believe any way they want to feel. Don't get me wrong, but I want to put my – perspective on all that stuff all the stuff hulk gets blamed for and stuff in the past and on top of that all this stuff is going on in the 80s and i always wanted to do an 80s wrestling podcast so this is the hulk hogan slash 80s wrestling pot 80s wwf wrestling podcast and that's it all right well dave you got the idea for next week so i'm going to let you tell the people what are we going to do next where are we going next Next week, one of my favorite wrestlers from uh, this time period we covered today. We're going to be taking a good, in-depth look at Dr. D. David Schultz. A lot of controversy surrounding this man. We got a match with Hulk Hogan. We're going to cover. We're not sure if we're going to do their match from MSG. No, we're sure. Or their, no, we'll do the Hulkamania one. We'll do the Hulkamania So tape. the Met Center. We're yep. going to do the match from the Met Center. Minneapolis is on the Hulkamania tape. We're going to do the match first this time. It's going to be a little different. Uh, next week on the 24-inch podcast. We're going to do the match first. We're going to talk all about Hulk's relationship with Dr. D. Then we're going to cover in full the 2020 episode, uh, ABC's 2020 coverage on the inside. What was it called? The inside of professional wrestling or yeah, something, something like that. Something to that effect. And that is where Dr. D uh, nailed that no good John Stossel. And we're going to be breaking that down. My man can't wait. Yeah, looking forward to that. Next time we'll talk about uh, the wrestler who is behind uh, the expose. We'll talk about uh, obviously the uh, uh, the smack heard around the world, and we'll talk about John Stossel finally admitting years later that he started to feel a lot better when that check cleared. <laughs> uh, and we'll talk. Of course, I also want to talk a little bit about what it meant for the WWF to be running a show in Minnesota. In 1985, you know, 84, yeah, or 84, early. excuse me. Talk about, you know, the Met Center and Minnesota and the history of wrestling there. Uh, so we'll get into all that a little bit, too. We'll try to look at that that whole card. We'll at least run the card down for you. They, thanks to the history of WWF.com. I'm sure we'll have that. Uh, or is it E? What is it? The history of WF or E? What's the website? Uh, WWE. Okay. So they should WWE.com. Uh, we'll get the information from that or whatever. We'll chase all that down. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one for sure. So, with all that said, we did a lot today. We covered a lot of ground. A lot of fun. Yeah, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, get the word out if you can. Let everyone know uh, where we are. We're spreading this thing. Uh, I got word from Richard Deitch of The Athletic that he's going to put it in a column uh, to help get the word out. So, we'll look for that. And when that comes out, we're going to link that everywhere. Thank you, Richard. But uh, in the meantime... Say your prayers. Oh, wait. Let me me start over. Hold on. In the meantime, for Paula Bennett, for Dave Rollins in Snow City, USA, and for me, Steve Bennett, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends about the 24-inch podcast. Brother! Brother!